Hello and welcome to Radio Free Nintendo. It is February 13th, 2020, and I am James Jones. James Jones. What the fuck just happened? I like tried to cough and say my own name at the same time, and it went poorly. I am James Jones. I'm joined today by Mr. Greg Lay. Oh, hey, hey, everyone. Mr. <clears throat> Sorry, Mr. John Lindemann. I mean, you're I'm, choking I'm, up. You're so emotionally overcome when you come to so my I'm name. About, that I'm about just... to sneeze, but I can't. So this is <laughs> this is great. This is a good start to the episode. Eh, sneezing is an emotion. That's okay. James, I am incredibly pleased to be here, and I'm so glad that you're so pleased that I'm Son here. Son of a bitch. And, and last but not least, Mr. Guillaume Bayette. Hello, James, John, and Greg. <sighs> Hello, Guillaume. <laughs> I, I, have I don't know a, what to say. For your for your own benefit, Guillaume, um, mm-hmm. as as our as our fine editor, I have a, a sneeze button on my mic that I can hit. Oh, good. Um, but I realize right now I would just be holding it for like ten seconds at the current rate, and that's not going to work. Um, so we'll just get through this together. Or I mean, listeners at home will get through this four days after I did. Oh, well, they'll just fast forward through it, so it'd be pretty quick. The entire episode, uh, smart decision. Yeah. Uh, this is episode six hundred and sixty, oh. and um, yeah, so we're gonna have kind a, of like, an achievement, a great achievement, yay! We did something. Um, yeah, six episodes from now is the one people are excited about. I don't know why. I'm not sure what they think we can do to ourselves through hexes that we haven't already done through ourselves through general <laughs> incompetence. Send your ideas to RFN at NintendoWorldReport.com. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because we're we not going to come up with anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we could. Well, no, I think we could do a feature on what we think the most evil games are. The most evil games? The most evil games. The ones that are the most diabolical games, either in content is... or tone or difficulty, just pure evil. This is like maybe the first time John has ever recommended a feature idea for the podcast. Oh, come ever. on. Come on. I mean, a broken clock is right twice a day, James. I mean, it's, I'm sure at some point years. in the other near probably, what, 700 episodes of this rambling train wreck, I have I have recommended something. <laughs> I mean, such okay. as like, you know, something about probably the history of, you know, Mylon Seeker Castle or something like that. Or Yeah, we don't count that as a real idea, you know. Um, the history of Mylon Secret Castle, John. I don't go get your book report ready, and you'll present to the class next week. Yeah, uh, it's around here somewhere already. It's already written. Oh, great! <laughs> your doctoral thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we're going to uh, piss around for about eh, what is this? About three minutes, and then fire it up into new business. And on that, John, I guess you'll start because we don't have a ton of it to go with this week. Yeah, not a ton. Um, I was playing a little bit actually on the. On the Switch front, I was playing around a little bit with Sega Ages Fantasy Zone, um, which is kind of a weird little shooter. Um, and what's but, uh, interesting yeah. about it is is it was – I knew right away. So uh, for a little bit of background, one of my favorite games growing up in the arcade was Quartet by Sega. And Seg- and that is on the I – think, I believe the System 16 board is what they had at that time. Uh, this this game, Fantasy Zone, is also on the System 16 board. Um, is it, so this is based on the arcade version? Correct, yeah, the arcade version of Fantasy Zone, which I never saw in my life, so it's kind of cool for me because I've never seen Fantasy Zone in the arcade at all. Uh, it was pretty obscure, I think, at least. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean, in Canada, you just a lot of this, like those kinds of things you never even saw. Like the, the games that you would see from, from them would be like Golden Axe and stuff like that. Kind of like more obscure titles like this you never saw in the arcade. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you are Opa Opa, the weird head, flying head with wings. Um, yeah, and I'm still trying to, like, I just played just a little bit of it. I'm still trying to kind of, kind of get, come to grips with the way the game works because it's kind of a free form shooter. It's not, you know, you're not, uh, you know, moving from left to right. You can fly back and forth and you can, there's a shop and you can, you know, you, you shoot enemies. Of course, it's all, it's, it's all like, you know, kind of fantastical enemies. Um, it's all kind of like parodious a little bit. Um, it's a cute amount. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and, you know, you shoot enemies and you can, and they drop coins and you collect coins and you, you, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've never even, like, I didn't really even know what to do at the start. Um, but it's, but the reason why I knew that it was a system 16 game was because of the music. The music has a very particular synthy sound to it. And also the graphics, in particular, the fonts. The fonts are almost exactly the same as the fonts in Quartet. Um, and so I was like, wait a minute, I bet you that this is on the same system board. And sure enough, it is. So, yeah. So I'm going to dig a little bit more into that. But it's it's cool. It's like it's a weird kind of, you know, uh, I guess free-roaming shooter. Not really what I expected. And honestly, to me, a very strange game for an arcade game. Because it doesn't – it goes against a lot of sort of the quarter-munching philosophies of that time. Or at least it seems to. I always I always thought it was weird to see games. And I think – I think a couple of Wonder Boy arcade games also have this. Yeah. Is where like arcade games that have a shop in them. Yeah. I always thought that was very strange. Um, yeah, the, the the shop in the Wonder Boy games don't make them any easier though. In fact, mm-hmm. probably the opposite. Mm-hmm. Shops make them harder. Yeah, well, because you're you're expected to have farm coins somehow oh, despite the time limit and uh, gotten right. the the stuff you need. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I always thought that was strange. So, yes, yeah, so that's cool. I'm going to look at that a little bit more. And I've got a couple of other Sega Ages games, I think, coming out soon. Puyo Puyo 2, I think, um, is one that I'll be looking at soon. But uh, the other thing that I was looking at that I thought was pretty cool this week was the iOS beta for Project xCloud from Microsoft. Um, so on iOS, I, th- I think because of App Store restrictions, I don't really know, I don't really know what the deal is there. Um, but, you know, iOS is... Of course, this is already out on Android with, I think, 50 games already. Um, and I'm sure there's something in there with probably Apple not wanting to have as many competing games on their service. It gets into kind of weird, like, Apple-Microsoft pissing match territory, I think. Um, whereas on Android, it's probably, like, the the rules for that are probably a bit more permissible. Or in I mean, terms if of, not, in, in, just make your own. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it goes in, I think it gets into the territory of, you know, Apple now has Apple Arcade, uh, you know, out there on the App Store. And this is, this could be, and Project xCloud could be seen as a competing service in that Microsoft is putting a service on the App Store that also has many games on it, provides games for people. So anyways, there's some sort of thing in there. Uh, the upshot of that is that the only game available on the iOS beta is uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. So, uh, but, you know, I like Halo. Um, you know, especially if there is a cat helmet involved. Uh, unfortunately, there is no cat helmet involved in this story, but I will. It's certainly always lurking in the background. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, 
what I tr- what I figured I would do is I was like, okay, well, Halo, you know, that's a pretty just in terms of you know kind of you know network activity and stuff like that. It's pretty it it's a pretty demanding game because you know you have all the multiplayer for all the different games now. I think I mean everything up to Halo Reach is in Master Chief Collection now. So I figured you know I'll try the campaign out in one of the games and try out multiplayer and just kind of see see how it worked. Uh, it's not that I was skeptical, but I was just you kind of hear about, you know, cloud gaming and all that kind of stuff, but you don't really, it's different when you have it in front of you and you're actually using it, right? So I was doing this, I was using it on an iPhone, um, an iPhone 6S. So it's not even a new model. It's several years old. Um, and it, I mean, it boots up. I mean, you, you obviously, you log in with, you know, your Xbox Live account and it pulls down all of your profile information. So I already have Halo Master Chief Collection and of, you know, Put some time into it. I think I beat the first Halo, uh, and I think I'm partially through Halo 2, campaign-wise. So it pulled down all that information just fine, uh, which is really nothing new. It's kind of table stakes at this point because, you know, you have, um, you know, you have, like, the Xbox Play Anywhere stuff where, you know, you log into the same game on PC or Xbox and, or, heck, Nintendo Switch for that matter, and it pulls down all your, your Xbox Live information. So that worked just fine. So, yeah, and, I mean... The game, you know, you select the games, the games are just listed out, and you select one, and it boots up. You know, it has like a little kind of loading screen, and the game boots up, and you are, uh, you're playing Halo. You're playing widescreen Halo. Um, and, but the interesting thing is, so, with uh, the Xbox One controllers, not all Xbox One controllers that are out there have Bluetooth on them. The ones that work, and I happen to have one of these, I actually, I have... I have two controllers right now. Um, I have the the Series One Elite controller that does not have Bluetooth on it, uh, but I do have the Xbox One S controller. It's model seventeen oh eight specifically is the one that I was using. So yeah, I just you made sure that's like that's you just open up the the um, battery compartment and it says the model number in there. But I I read online that model seventeen oh eight is one of the ones that works. And that's the one that you get. And actually, I mean, they're one of the cheapest ones to buy online if you just want to buy it for this specific purpose. I think I got mine on sale for New on Newegg for like forty bucks. They're always on sale. The the this the vanilla Xbox One S controllers. So yeah, uh, what you do is you know you pair that with your um, with your iPhone, which is really easy. Just like you would pair you know your iPhone with like you know. In, in your car or something like that. It's very simple. You just go to the settings menu and it finds it and you pair it. Um, and once it's paired, you know, you open up the app, load up the game, and you're pretty much good to go. So my, I was curious. I was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, the one thing I did notice is that the Bluetooth pairing, uh, it falls off and you have to repair if you um, if you minimize the app. Hmm. So they haven't, they don't have that worked out yet. I mean, of course, it's it's a beta, so I'm sure they'll probably fix that, or maybe not, or maybe that's a, that's a that's kind of a limit limitation that, you know. But I accidentally uh, minimized the app and brought it back in, and and I couldn't control anymore. So I had to go in, I had to exit out, and I had to go into settings, and I had to actually repair. I think I had to actually repair the controller to get it back up and working again. But once I did that, everything was cool. But yeah, so that was interesting. Um, so I played a little bit of campaign. Of course, I'm, I'm playing it. It's not the greatest. Uh, playing campaign was not the greatest because for two things. Well, I mean, in, just in general, what made playing Halo difficult was the fact that I'm playing it on an iPhone 6S, which has an incredibly small screen. 
which makes playing some of these games really, really hard. I mean, you would want you. I mean, to play some of these games in a realistic fashion, you would want one of the new big iPhones or a tablet or something like that. Like you know, something. I mean, Ed, but that's just like anything else. You know, playing, you know, playing one of these games on any any small like any small screen is very difficult because especially like especially with like multiplayer where you can't see somebody that's far away from you. They're just a little. You know, you can't really recognize them, but, um, but yeah. So, you know, I I dropped in playing campaign. Of course, I'm playing it on you know on you know really 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 hard difficulty. So I couldn't get very far. Even on console, you can't get very far because you're just like kind of going through inch by inch. Um, but yeah, I I was very impressed. Um, no input lag. Uh, just very smooth, and actually, I was playing it on Wi-Fi, uh, and in my apartment, the Wi-Fi, depending on where you are, drops in and out constantly, and it held up pretty well. Um, you know, got a little bit jittery when the Wi-Fi dropped out, but that was nothing that was unexpected. Uh, it didn't crash anything. You know, it was just, it would be the equivalent of, you know, playing something on PC, like playing like a first-person shooter on on like on Wi-Fi on PC, and Wi-Fi drops out. You know, you get some lag. You get a little bit of you know j- jittery, stuttery, you know, screen tearing kind of action. It was exactly the same here. Um, there was nothing. There was nothing particularly even on crappy Wi-Fi. There was nothing. Nothing that made it remotely unplayable at all. Um, and I was really impressed by that. Yeah, camp- campaign was really really solid. Uh, multiplayer. Was a little bit harder. I think that there was, like I said, there was some, when the Wi-Fi dropped, there was some jitter. Um, the one thing to note with that is that in the settings, I haven't tried this, but you can also, you can, you can set it to also use, like, use LTE. So I think what it can do is it can intelligently switch back to LTE when the Wi-Fi goes out and then come back when the Wi-Fi comes back on. I haven't tried that out, but I, but there's a setting for that. So. That's probably you can probably smooth out the experience even further with that, um, but uh, yeah. So in, and then so in multiplayer, I played some Halo Reach multiplayer, and it played just fine. I mean, it just really just worked. I was really impressed mm-hmm. by it. And um, you know, outside outside of like you know, kind of like the Wi-Fi issues that I had, um, you know, uh, the only thing I think I think there was sometimes when I was. I, it felt like I was shooting, but it wasn't registering my my uh, my button presses for shooting, like my trigger. And I just felt that a couple times. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's lag of some sort. But when I was expecting to shoot, it wasn't shooting every once in a while. So I, I I'd have to play it more to see if that was actually just something like a legitimate issue or not. Um, but yeah, but I mean overall, I mean it was crazy. I mean. I was sitting there during tub time. I'm sitting there playing Halo Master Chief Collection. God damn it! Uh, with a Bluetooth Xbox One controller. I'm so you can there drop pl- your phone and your controller in the tub. At absolutely, the same time? absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it just it ups the risk, but that's kind of what I like. I like being on the edge. You God know. Damn it. You know. I I you know I need that I need that that risk in my veins, James. <laughs> you know. Um. But yeah. So. <sighs> I mean, it's it's really good. I mean, it's it's not out. I mean, XCloud. I don't believe it's released on PC yet, but that's. I mean, it's gonna be good when it is, especially for traveling. Like, I can just completely see that. You know, um, the on only, the phone. The only... on, I mean, Go on ahead. the phone, a lot of these a lot of these games they won't play. 
they'll they'll play just fine performance wise, but some of them just won't be great to play on on the on the phone just because the screen is so small. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean that being said, I mean from just like from a performance standpoint, it performed really really well, and I was really impressed. Yeah, it seems like right now it's it's effectively only on Android. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with the exception of the the limited Apple uh, iOS beta. Yeah, uh, which I'm looking at their their current website, and they don't even mention. Mm-hmm. Like they just they just keep like make sure you have a compatible Android device, mm-hmm. um, which I do, and I could certainly try it out and and see for myself. Um, uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see though. Like it, it's working really well in the beta. What does it look like? You know, when it's productionalized, does it does does it perform as well, or are they maybe souping up for the beta? Yeah, it's hard uh, to say. Yeah, like, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, and and what's the experience like when bad shit happens? Mm-hmm. Like you lose connection for a minute. Um, yep. Are you out? Does are we going to have multiplayer games where that's just a, like a new wonderful concern? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, or do they just go AFK and you can just get all the free kills you want on them? Yeah, which would which I, would be sick. I mean, if you if you play any first person shooter, I mean, there's already people out there lagging. So oh, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. I mean, it's no, it's no different, right? I mean, you it have may, people on it consoles with shitty connections. Yeah, the yep. the uh, I was looking at the controller clip they're selling. Mm-hmm. It's a goofy looking thing. It, it is. It's goofy, but when you play it, you're like, yeah, I could see that. Like, I mean, definitely, I could see it. I mean, this is the kind it, of thing it, where, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it kind of changes everything, right? I mean, I would love it. I would love it if they brought a client to the Switch. That would be fantastic. I, like, I would just, like, I would just, like, staple my Switch to my body because I would never want it to be without it, you know? I because mean, I could sit I, there, I could play all the Nintendo games, I get, like, my entire, I'd have access to all my Nintendo the, library, the thing my entire that Xbox keep, library would be fantastic. The thing that might keep it off, though, is the 720p resolution. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, what is what? Uh, yeah, I don't, your phone, I don't know. Your what, phone is way over 1080. Phones, yeah, it, phones it have super high resolution. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because it has the probably the I don't know if it has a retina display. Yeah, but, but even, even if it doesn't, the it's it's so small that at 1080 it looks super sharp. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I could see Microsoft yeah, right. being a little dodgy about a 720p system getting. Yeah, I mean that's the thing though. The iPhone success it says the screen resolution is three hundred and thirty four by seven fifty. So that seems odd. Okay, well, may- well maybe as not. you said, the uh, it's so small. It's just that's you, true. You, you, yeah, it makes you feel like the resolution is higher, but it's really just the pixel density and the the size of the pixels, I guess. Yeah, but those, those numbers feel weird. But uh, I mean, that's cool. I, but yeah, yeah, looking at the I mean, clip, it reminds me of something. The uh, the 3DS kickstand for Kid Icarus. Oh, nice. We're yeah, back. I mean, it's, it says, I mean, just going to, like, you know, what is my screen resolution? One of these sites, it says my screen resolution is 375 by 667. So Okay. All right. Fair enough. So maybe the scaling is okay, but, yeah, it would definitely look it would definitely look a little funkier on that, um, on the Switch. But, uh, I mean, still... To your, to your point, the big the biggest thing keeping it off would obviously be versions of games that Nintendo wants you to buy on their store would also be on Project X Cloud. True, um, unless they could work out a deal with 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 Microsoft that 
filters those games out in that experience. But then, then mm-hmm. that get that that fights Microsoft's branding of like it's all your games everywhere, right? Um, so yeah, this is one of those things where like both parties would probably be okay with it, ex- except for insert one thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one thing is probably the issue. So it's cool though. I'm, I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad it's working for you. Yeah, uh, and I was just I was surprised. I, I will say that I was surprised that it worked as well as it did. I mean, the, so. in in terms of companies who are positioned to handle it, they're obviously, mm-hmm. you know, if not one A, one B. Yeah. Um, the the of uh, the other one A or one B is probably Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you want to have a one C or a very close two, it's Google and Stadia has been kind of quiet yeah yeah that's i mean they they don't really have many i mean that's that's the thing they don't have the game library that that microsoft has really and it sat for a while like as it was now granted they say it's a beta but you can't there's a limit to what you can call a beta if you're selling hardware it ain't a beta yeah yeah so cool yeah all right guillaume yep you up to? So uh, I've been playing Pat Bastion on the Switch, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of weird how time passes and uh, games that were super hyped are not undeserving of the hype, but definitely things have changed enough that um, what used to be like a, a big fish in a small pond is now uh, just another fish in the in the pond that's full of fish that spawned from that one fish. Are you with, are you still with me? No. So th- this is not this is a nine year old <laughs> game, and it has it inspired not one game, but it has inspired games that may themselves have gone on to inspire other games because of its age. So this yeah. week you're talking about Sega Bass Fishing, sweet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Bastion. Uh, I did not play this game back when it originally came out because I never had uh, an Xbox. 360. Um, so this game came out in, during the summer of uh, live. They God, have, I that was that was a regular event. But yeah, arcade, yeah. So twenty summer of arcade 2011. Uh, summer of yeah. arcade. Yeah. So, so many uh, memories. God damn it, John. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that Love was, was that in was the air, over, James. <laughs> that was a regular feature of Microsoft's product calendar. Um, right. But yeah, uh, you this, could say it came back every summer or so. But. Uh, yeah, so 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 it was like one of the kind of the tentpole games that came out for that service, and um, between then and now, things have changed a lot. It used to be that um, indie games were a rare thing, or like indie games of a certain quality were a rare, rare thing. Certainly, like um, companies like uh, Microsoft and, and Nintendo and, and Sony were uh, not throttling them, but were certainly. Uh, putting a lot of barriers to publishing games under services. And so there was kind of a, a selection that was being done before, um, before consumers even got the chance to, to choose, uh, you know, what they would want to buy. Um, I'm not making much sense right now, but basically what I'm saying is like the, the drip of games back then was uh, not what it is right now. Not the torrent of uh, crap that's flooding the, <laughs> the Switch eShop. The the indie game space hadn't evolved to where it is now, and so a Absolutely lot of the things, a lot of the things that were on digital services were um, 
there there were some indie games, but they were not necessarily as refined as something like Bastion. They didn't have the same level of polish. Yeah, or back, they back, th- back then, like it was still you did not see like hundreds of games being published on Steam. That was not a thing yet. Like you mostly had like the the big AAA releases on Steam and a you know kind of a a still manageable uh, flow of smaller games that came out. But you, like, so yeah, so it was different from today. Anyway, all this to say that uh, Bastion is a game that uh, pretty much holds up. I didn't play it back in the day. I have a false memory of playing it on PlayStation 3, but apparently that can't be right because it never came out on PlayStation 3. Uh, I must have played the demo uh, on Steam, actually. And so um, I never bought it on PC, and then I played it on Switch, and so it's my first experience with it, and it, yeah, it mostly holds up. It's um, a very pretty game, a really uh, nice art style, um, kind of looks, even though it's mostly uh, polygons, like it looks hand-drawn and not in a cel-shaded way. Um, there might be sprites in there, but um, they, I don't know, like they, they, they seem to blend uh, polygons and, and sprites pretty well together, so much so that I, I can't really tell which uh, w- what it is. Um, so it still looks good today, and uh, one of the things that made Bastion stand out back in the day, other than the fact that it was kind of a simple, old-school action RPG type of game, which was not something that was coming out with regularity back in 2011, uh, is the fact that... Um, you, you had this narrator who was commenting on your, not commenting, he was basically, the conceit was that he, the narrator was telling you a story, um, and kind of giving small details about the lore of the game, um, very gradually. And sometimes when you would mess up and like fall off a ledge, well, he mentioned that too. Um, so it was kind of novel back in the day. Um, uh, Playing it now, it's less novel, not just because it's nine years old and I've heard of it's what it does and I know it's trick and so it's not exactly a surprise, but also it's less novel because uh, indie games have exploded and there's been lots more um, um, experimentation done with uh, the way, to, like yeah, the narrative in in games what you can do to, to, to tell a story. And just last week, I was really impressed by the way that uh, Wide Ocean Big Jacket was telling a story. And, you know, it's not... Even that, like, that that was not exact... Like, it was it was impressive, it was new, but it was, the, the fact that it was telling a story in a neat way is not unique. Like, there's a lot of that happening in the, in, in the indie space right now. So... Um, all this to say that, yeah, I, I, I like Bastion. It's a, a neat game, but, uh, I, I, I guess it's not really that much of a, uh, um, a shocking revelation, but, uh, this nine year old game is not revolutionary anymore. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, like, uh, basically I'm saying all this because otherwise if I start talking about the game itself really in more detail, I feel like I'm just going to nitpick and it's going to sound like I hated it and I didn't. Um, but, uh, yeah, a few things about its gameplay did not age well, but, uh, a lot of what it 
a lot of it did age well. The, it's still a pretty game. It's still a neat idea. And, um, it's regularly on sale for like $5 for, so you should probably pick it up if you've never played it before. Is this the one where you can rewind it? You can't rewind, no. Okay. Uh, so really all it is is that, um, yeah, the narrator is uh, saying neat stuff while you, you, I, you play. I see me thinking right. of Bride. Yeah, I'm th- yeah. right. I'm, I'm confu- I'm, I confuse this. I confuse Bastion, Braid, and Torchlight all the time. All right. Well, maybe I yeah. should explain a little bit more what Bastion is. <laughs> so, well, and, it and is. I think I think to your point from earlier, though, that's understandable because those games are essentially evolutions of Bastion. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, not Braid, but no. Yeah, there's a whole crop of uh, games that have one word titles that start with B that are original and innovative and uh, made their, their their creators rich. Uh, I'm sure, but. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Bastion, isometric view. Um, it, it is this game where you're, you're, it's an action RPG, as I said. So mostly like you're, you can play it the way you want. Like the, the, there are melee, uh, weapons that you can choose, but you can also choose to just use, uh, um, ranged weapons. Um, the, the, the world kind of, uh, gets built up as you walk around. Like basically you're above a void. And, uh, as you explore, like, the edges of the world, um, new parts of the world will pop up from, from the void to, to, like, rise up to your feet and, uh, basically, uh, expand the world that you can explore. Is it procedurally it, generated? No, I think, well, that's a good question. I don't think so. I think, I don't it, think it is, it's, no. yeah, it's just designed this way. Um, but yeah, it's pretty neat. It, it does make exploration a little bit annoying because as I said, like you're, you can fall into the void and, uh, the way to explore is to like basically walk on the edge all the time. So when you fall, you do lose health and, uh, eventually it gets annoying because the, as I said, it's a pretty game, but with the, uh, the focus on detailed, um, graphics and, Anyway, with the, with the detailed graphics, like sometimes it, it can be hard to gauge exactly where you can stand. Some elements that are just, um, decorative can't be, uh, you, you can't actually stand on, but it looks like you can. So you end up like stepping into the void and falling. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the nitpicks that I was talking about earlier, but, uh, yep. yeah, no, it's, 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 it's neat. Um, so yeah, so I enjoyed my time with it, but, uh, I, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was uh, interesting the way that the the just the whole market has changed in just nine years, and it feels like it shouldn't be that long ago, but it feels like it's uh, uh I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a uh, it's more than a generation of hardware, so I shouldn't be surprised. But uh, the, the yeah. fact that the the generations of hardware now don't mean as much as they used to in terms of power means I mean- that Bastion still. Looks good, you know, like you can still play it today and feel like, oh yeah, this probably was made recently. Yeah, I mean the art, the art was never particularly taxing. I, I think no, I think when, when we talk at about- some point, at some point you could play this in a browser. I don't know if you still can, but it was a browser sure. game for a while. I yeah. think I think when we talk about um, things that are generational with games like this, with these indie games that are that are high art, I don't I don't mean like this game is high art. But I mean, like our high our high art production, where they spend a lot of time making a, a a visual style that's not you know necessarily beholden to a bunch of polygons and how many textures you can push and shit like that. Um, 
you, you really are end up talking about generationally how many ideas old is it? And that's kind of what you got to earlier because this yeah. this this game has obviously been aped in in multiple ways. I mean, it's still it's still famous for its its uh, narration of all that you're doing, um, but it's it's um, you know it's not it's always going to be original, but yeah. it's it's not going to be one of a kind anymore. And that's, well, it's a, it's kind of like watching uh, Psycho today, Alfred Hitchcock's yeah, Psycho. It's, like it's, it's exactly like you watch like it today, that. you're first you're removed from the marketing campaign, which was kind of insane because uh, I think that uh, the studio or Alfred himself like bought all the copies of the book that the movie was wa- was uh, based on. Uh, like it was removed from sh- uh, library shelves because they they wanted to surprise people with the movie. And so, like the so yeah, the marketing, the hype was insane, and also its its ideas were kind of became cliches and just got repeated. And so, like you watch it today, it's like okay, that's interesting. I can see why it would have been influential, but it, you're not going to get that kind of uh, gut. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm you, trying to say. Um, yeah, you've, yeah, you've already seen its ideas prevent presented in iterated in in iterated forms. Right, yes. and and even those ideas may not have been presented as well. Like it's entirely possible that the iterations just feel um, don't feel as vivid or as imaginative or as 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 powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. They're still not new anymore, and yeah. so mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that like a bunch of games went and made. I was gonna call it. I was just gonna do one letter slot for swap for Bastion, just as a joke, and then I accidentally was gonna say Ashton, and I'm like, nope, that's a different game. Um, hmm. But uh, you get the idea. It's it's that the things that made it stand out, you know, its presentation style. We see a ton of indie games now that come out that have this really, um, the really evocative and high polished presentation styles, and what you're seeing now that that we weren't seeing then, even even in these one off cases are independent games that have that level of presentation and they are like full textured 3D modeled you know they're not they're not 2D isometric games with crazy art they're they're games that maybe they're not as big but are pushing all of the graphical fidelity that you would expect from you know the highest of high end games they're just mm. maybe maybe made on a smaller scale or, or or made for a more niche audience. Um, what was that that game set in France that came out last year? <laughs> um, what what Plague Tale? With, with uh, yeah, Plague Tale. Yep. Yeah, like that game. That game is is stunning visually. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and so I think I think to a certain degree we're seeing some of that differentiation break down, but ultimately. These games that have, you know, these this really evocative and really polished and really stylized art is always are always going to be available to create as, as a possibility to creators who have a, an idea and have the skills to produce that, but don't necessarily want to make a game like a Plague's Tale, something that big, that that bold, that expansive. Um, and and the the funny thing is that the team that made Bastion. Um, super, well, super they've giant. made like I think they're they're on their fourth game since Correct. then. Yeah, so. so super super giant games has made three or four more games that that aren't using the same art style, but no. but 
but have a similar template in that respect and how they how they make themselves stand out. Um, sure, but they they've also got like different genres and uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're they're very experimental. So I'm looking forward to playing more of their games. I do have Transistor already, uh, which is I think a turn based strategy game. Unless it's not turn-based, but it's an RPG, some sort of strategy. I don't oh, okay. remember it being turn-based, but maybe it is. Okay. Um, and yeah, then Pyre was their weird party-based sports RPG. Mm-hmm. And I think Hades is the one that is in early access. I think it's what it was called. Right. I, I think Which is right. a dungeon crawler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, you, I could put Hades next to Bastion without, you know, with, without you having context and you might go like, no, those aren't the same people. But, you hmm. know, I could put Bastion next to Transistor and you might say, oh, okay, yeah, the, I can see the lineage here. And you might put Transistor next to Pyre and you could say, oh, yeah, I see that. And Pyre next to Hades is is super clear. Hmm. Um, you know, there, there's an arc because as we alluded to earlier, it's been nine friggin' years. They've had some time. Yeah. So anyway, uh, probably more time than I meant to spend on the Bastion, but uh, I've also played The Messenger, and um, I went and listened back to Greg and uh, you speak about this game, and um, so I'm hoping that listeners have listened to that or remember it and remember your opinions. Uh, a, a refresher, you both seem to enjoy the linear part of The, messen- the Messenger, over the the second half, or it's more than the half, but yeah, like the the second yeah. part of the, in terms the game. Of, where in terms of running time, it's probably like kind of probably like yeah. weighted to the back end, but arguably yeah, yeah twenty eighty towards a more more like kind of Metroidvania adventure. So yeah, so I kind of had the opposite um, reaction. I think that the game is linear really for only like the first uh, two three hours and. By the end of that, I was kind of already uh, a little bit fatigued by first, like I came in armed already with the knowledge that it was going to become a a less linear adventure. So I knew that the the twist was coming. So maybe because of that, I I was um, looking at uh, possible places where there could be secrets. And uh, I was kind of annoyed for the first two, three hours that I could not reach those secrets because the game was not opening up yet, you know? So I, I don't know if actually knowing that the game opened up later kind of uh, yeah, but, hampered I mean, even my in enjoyment. A game, even in a non-linear, a game that's non-linear through, from the very beginning, you have secrets you can't access early on. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I... Um, there was something about the the way that those secrets were teased, or I don't know. I, I basically I, I kept asking, wondering, my you know, when am I going to get to the part where I can get there finally? You know, like a so so once the the game does open up, uh, once it did open up, I, I, I felt kind of a relief, and immediately the game became more engaging for me and more interesting, and so. I had a lot of fun uh, just, uh, yeah, exploring around. Um, I think that maybe a few patches uh, came up, came out after you guys played it uh, that made it easier to cope with the non-linearity. And I, I took advantage of uh, those uh, improvements. Like the if you go to the, uh, the shopkeeper, uh, you can basically, basically ask him to quote-unquote explain the hints 
that uh, this other dude gives you uh, for like where you're supposed and, to go uh, next. Something what? about the map changed as well. I can't. Uh, yeah. I think in terms of they mark things on your map. Yeah, exactly. Well, if you, you can pay like uh, you can pay pay the shopkeeper so that basically he marks exactly where the thing is, and so that can help if you're if you're not sure if the hint is just too vague. And sometimes they, it was you know, um, especially because like initially, when the game opens up, you're not. Sure, you went through a series of areas um, in a linear fashion, but you're not exact. I was not exactly sure how they tied together in the open world version of it, uh, in the Metroidvania version of it. So uh, sometimes, like I, I would think, okay, this clue seems like they could mean that place that I've already seen um, in the linear part of the adventure, but. Where is it on this map? I, I sure have no idea. So, yeah, I paid the shopkeeper and, you know, he would point me in the right direction and that was really helpful. Um, one thing, though, is that um, I like my Metroid games to be more uh, Metroid length. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Super Metroid, like, you, I can get around it like three to five hours yeah. if I'm rusty. Yeah. Um, your mission is even shorter. Yeah, and um, yeah, Metroid um, Fusion is, uh, was very short as well, and so I, I, I think it took me 14 hours to get through the mes- messenger, and by the end I was like, um, okay, enough fakeouts. There have been multiple bosses uh, that felt like they could have been the last one, or that you know the game hinted that it would be the last one, and I'm ready to end this now, so I, I was a little bit burnt out uh, by the end. And um, there's also, I, I, I did feel some of uh, you know like you, the the same criticisms that you guys had that uh, there's not much in the way of uh, upgrades to your mobility uh, once the uh, Metroidvania part of the game comes in. Yeah, which is kind and, of an important part of that formula. Yeah, it's so a, it's so a, it's an odd choice in a way. It is. And so I was, uh, so, you know, I did learn to cross certain parts of the, the map faster as, as I played more, as I became more proficient with the controls. But, uh, there were times when, especially towards the end, like there's like one of the fake out bosses that I mentioned, like there's, uh, someone who stands at the door who's like, are you sure you want to go in? Like, uh, you might want to go, uh, pick up a few of the things that you missed earlier. And indeed, I was missing two of the useless doodads, uh, that are hidden in the game. And so I went back. They were in the Tower of Time, I think it's called. I played in French, so <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, they were in the Tower thing, the the, the the Challenge Tower. Yeah. And um, so I went and got them, and then I realized, oh crap! I can't just warp back to that dude. I have to cross the whole quote unquote final area over again. So lots of needless, uh, not backtracking, but just uh, retreading. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, um, it got really annoying by that point. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the writing. I, I played in French because those guys are from Quebec. It was, I presume um, it, was they, written, it was written in French. Yeah, probably written in French. Uh, I don't know what it looked like in English, but the, it was, I don't know, the writing was, um, cute, I guess I would say. It, it, like it, I, it, it was being very cutesy. Yeah, and I, I did enjoy the jokes. Like, there's a few times when I, I actually laughed out loud, but mostly, like, you know, 
like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's cute. You know, you smirk and then you you press A and you you move on. But yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. The the one final note I should make about it is that I did not play this on Switch. I played this uh, because I I got a free copy on from like the Epic Game Store. So I played it on my PC and. Um, which I plugged on my TV and it's not something that I've been doing a lot because it's uh, kind of a pain in the ass. Um, the, the, I don't have HMI cables that are all that long and I have been using wired Xbox 360 controllers. And, uh, first the D pad on that thing is crap. And so I, I was playing with a stick for a while. Uh, and, uh, it was not, it felt better than the D pad, but it was not great for the messenger. And uh, eventually I was like, oh, fuck this. Like I've heard that you can use a, a, a gamepad, a Switch uh, Pro Controller on, on PC. So I'm going to look it up. I looked up a few solutions. They didn't really work. And eventually what ended up working is launching Steam uh, and adding this game that I got through the Epic Game Store on Steam as a non-Steam game. And then like Steam has kind of built in support for the, 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 the Switch, uh, pro controller. So, uh, that ended up working immediately. Like the D pad is not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than the uh, Xbox 360 controller. And, uh, overall just, yeah, felt more comfortable. And of course it being wireless was, uh, kind of amazing. So I, I don't know. I, I think that the Steam support of the, uh, Switch controller is pretty damn great. And, um, it's, it's not perfect, uh, because if you are using your, uh, Switch controller to play Switch games on the Switch, then there's this thing where you, you kind of have to pair and unpair all the time on your computer. Right. If you want it to, to recognize the, the Switch, uh, controller. But other than that, it's still preferable to dealing with the cable or the, the 360 controller at all. So. If people at home don't know about this uh, life hack, um, now you know. There you go. Great. All right. Uh, I don't have any new business. And Greg, I think you're in the same boat. Yeah, I've just been making progress with Tokyo Marauder Sessions, but you know, I've probably advanced like a chapter <laughs> and, and some side stuff uh, in the period since I last spoke about it, so it's not really enough to warrant uh, further comment at this juncture. Yeah, and I just started AI the Somnium Files, and it was, I got it when it was on sale, and the DLC Fire Emblem came out, so I'm going to actually start my second run, but like I'm maybe 40 minutes into AI the Somnium Files, and I haven't started my new playthrough of Fire Emblem yet, so there ain't much to say. Um, so I think we're actually going to go ahead and take a little bit of an early break this time. And uh, we come back. It's time for d- our 2020 abject failure predictions. Oh, okay. well, it's, it's do, you predictions. Want, do you really want, do you really predictions, want the predictions? The, it's predictions for the fiscal year, and we're doing them early. Okay. Oh, <laughs> gr- no. You know what? No, I like that. I like that. Greg, you have a future in marketing. J&J Dream Factory could use your acumen. Yeah, I mean, we're okay, hiring. But I, I really don't have anything. Uh, I don't have my predictions for the fourth quarter. Like I, Well, don't worry about the fourth quarter. That's, that's, that's in the books already. That's just stuff that slips out of the third quarter anyway. It's fine. Yeah, okay. it's all good. Okay. Um, 
And, and John, please don't say we're hiring. Uh, that is technically a legal offer, and we can't be. Uh, but I mean, we're not going to pay nothing, them anything. We'll pay them in on like paper. I don't know. nothing on paper, please. I don't know. Guys. We have we have like boxes of shoes that we can give people. We can Fuck sign you. them. If All right. When we come off, back, autographs, a whole nine when yards. When we it's come back, I'm just going to keep talking over John until I play us out. So predictions. It's gonna be great. We return with news from the future. It is our 2020 predictions segment, which we are giving to you at like, I'm going to just go ahead and call it the, the dead ass end of February. It's not, it's not quite there, but February it's, it's is a mid, short, it's mid February. Uh, we get the latest leak yeah. year this year though. So yeah. It's a yeah. longer That's February than Oh, usual. that saves it. Hmm. Um, so yeah, we, uh, you know, with all the other stuff going on, predictions got pushed back a little bit. Nintendo has obliged us by not having a direct like yeah, the day it's before kind of, we it's kind of this. hoping they would do one. And just like, well, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess we can't do it now. They've uh, they've they've bought us some. I, honestly, they're probably just waiting for us. And by that, I mean they're going to announce an emergency direct tomorrow Definitely. after we finish recording, and it's going to come out, and it's going to start with. Hey, so we've already heard episode 660 of a podcast. We're not going to name it. We don't want to give them attention. It's not even out yet, but everything they got right, we just canceled. Mm -hmm. Moving on. And then then they're going to talk about more Dr. Mario Tour or whatever the fuck that mobile game is. Dr. Spike. Dr. Dr. Spike coming to both Dr. Mario and Mario Kart Tour. God. See, it's the invisible spike. Anyway, so predictions. I don't have a designated order for this. I didn't do my standard process of. Are we going to do the recap of last year's just to demonstrate I, how laser accurate what is to come <laughs> it will be? I, you know, that's a really good idea that I didn't prepare. I, for. I have, I have, have jotted down. What I gleaned from the it was during the telethon <laughs> last year, so it was yes. Uh, you know, it kind of helped limit the wrongness somewhat. <laughs> Couldn't just accidentally be wrong for ninety minutes. Had to be like for fifty-five, so that was good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let let's let's get it. Guillaume kicked off proceedings with the prediction that Anyway uh, would break the most replied to tweet record. With a tweet about some, you know, fairly, uh, unremarkable indie game that would just get loads of replies of people complaining about when the next direct would be. God, um, do we have metrics for that? I, I an interesting know. question to contemplate. Um, mm. but yeah. Wait, hold on. So his prediction was they would break the record for most replied tweet as a consequence of no directs? Yeah, just the, all the replies would be the number of replies of people saying, "Where's the next direct? Where's the next direct? Where's the next direct?" On pretty much anything. Yeah, uh, would make Twitter history. Basically. Yes. Yeah. So let me go take a look right now because um, this is actually one that we can put to the scientific method. So, tweet about becoming Pikachu is fun, but it's even better with Pokemon friends in Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX. You'll encounter over four hundred Pokemon. Nintendo Direct is the first apply. Second, of course. Uh, third, Animal Crossing. So that that's your that's your potential um counter. 
are the Animal Crossing weirdos. Yeah, sure. well, well we, James re- re- raised the possibility of it just being people asking what the next Smash character would be or whatever, so mm. it's that too. But the point is just that it would be stuff that is not pertinent to the actual content of the tweets. Exactly. 7, 8, 15, 16. So, so far, every single tweet in response to this has been one of three things. Why the fuck are you talking about Pokemon again? I'm dead serious. Two, Nintendo Directs. Or three, Animal Crossing news, please. Yeah, well, it tracks. It was yeah. a very safe prediction, really. It was. It was. Yeah, the, this first tranche of predictions were all in the safer realm. Uh, yeah, and, and that had basis in reality. I mean, but I have no idea what what the most replied to tweet actually is in Nintendo history or any other history. But it's a pretty terrifying question. I, to think, contemplate. I think we can leave it to the listeners to decide. If we were right or wrong, yes, uh, that's worked for us. I I had that Switch would become a family of systems in 2019, uh, with the emphasis on getting the cost of entry down for when Pokemon arrives. So um, this was before the Switch Lite was announced. Well, well, well before, yeah, because yeah, it was, it was, like it was January. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, mm-hmm. it was come a, on, that's it a hit. Was, it was so soft, though. That was such an easy <laughs> one. I mean, that, that was so, so easy. because it, it, just it, had, it, it had to be. I mean, the point I made then was basically that, you know, like, well, let's go Pikachu, Eevee, they've sold fine, but, like, not nearly what they want it to sell. And, that, okay. you know, they're going to be, be gearing up for, you know, uh, Sword and Shield, or what would become Sword and Shield. I don't know if we knew so, the names back then. Greg, Greg, take the win. Yeah, I'm just saying, a, a small ball was played in this early part, as we will continue to, to see. Uh, James had, Mario Kart Tour will be perpetually delayed. It will keep being the next mobile game <laughs> instead of actually being I the, think, the, the I one. think there was one more game that came out between when I made that prediction and it actually was that coming Do- was out. Was that Dr. Mario? Was that, it was. Yeah, I think, yeah. But So it was, it was like, somewhat true, but it did eventually come out in September, right? Wasn't, wasn't that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. We got, we got that weird beta and then it actually came out in you September. You got close, it, 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 you know, because that was in January and it didn't get out till September, so it was, you know... Which was I mean, already was, late at that point. A few more, a few more months and you would have had it. Uh, then yeah. John had uh, Super Nintendo games coming to Nintendo Switch Online, which yeah, yeah, these there were was, all quite safe. Very there soft. was a lot. There was a lot of smoke about that at the time. Um, mm-hmm. so, I, so. I, I would say I took the most out there prediction and was still somehow mostly <laughs> <Yeah>. correct. <laughs> and then I, I, will, I, I will give myself negative credit on that one for one thing, which is they stopped using the phrase "the next mobile game." <laughs> to talk yeah, because yeah, it was it was yeah, it, it proven too unreliable already. Um, I piggybacked off John's to say that I thought Game Boy and or Game Boy Advance games could come to Nintendo Switch Online and actually mm. use the online multiplayer function to give us multiplayer sort of uh, classic portable games for the first time almost, with the exception of Pokemon, is the one time where they actually bothered to put Link Cable sort of emulation in right. on uh, 3DS. Uh, that, of course, uh, did not happen. And I'm probably less optimistic about it now than I was then, because, mm-hmm. of course, Nintendo Switch Online in January 2019 was was younger, so we had less to go on in terms it of had how... had more, more of a future ahead of it. 
Yeah, yeah, well, you had less to go on in terms of how uh, numerous and, and sort of regular the updates were going to be. And uh, yep. you know, we've had uh, an announcement recently about a couple of Super Nintendo, a couple of NES games come in. Um, so it's not like they've abandoned it or anything, but it's it's not exactly a breakneck pace. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 some uh, a new system this year is perfectly plausible, but. You know, but, but I don't know whether I'd go any further than that for, for 2020. Uh, Guillaume sort of one-upped all of us by saying that the N64 games would come to Nintendo Switch Online, but with the emphasis being that the fact that through the, uh, Nintendo Online store, yeah, my Nintendo store or whatever, you would be able to get a $150 four controller set of N64 <laughs> controllers that sort of snap into the Joy-Con rails. So you've got this sort of trident weapon thing uh, with your Switch. Um, and then John, uh, I think this was this was uh, kind of riffing off the more co- uh, questions about Mario uh, Kart Tour. John predicted that there would be... The Hammer Brothers would feature in a co-op open-world looter shooter. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's accurate. Close, close. I was close yeah, to that with, one. Close, yeah, I mean, pretty much right on point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, James had a uh, big push for Luigi's Mansion 3 at E3, um, with the implication really just that, you know, there would not be, like, some giant game there that, you know, we hadn't heard about already, getting the big push, um, right. which, you know, I think was broadly accurate. Yeah, I mean, Animal Crossing was really the threat there, but Animal Crossing had already been delayed by the time E3 rolled. Yeah, it's easy, exactly. So, that, that kind of, and it's not the easiest game to kind of give the big push, uh, at E3. I don't know how much, like, it's, um, you know, it would benefit from that necessarily. Its appeal is kind of right. well documented. I'm not sure you particularly need to, to do that much with i don't think it's going to suffer that much you know yeah. <laughs> animal crossing for not having uh been featured so heavily uh so there was that there we had john had next zelda on switch will use the breath of the wild engine and will be announced at e3 was it announced at e3 yep yep oh, there you go the uh the little uh you know trailer uh thingy mm-hmm. uh, i was kind of uh i i didn't um, think they would do that because I would assume if such a game were to exist, it would be too far in the future, and they needed to get out of that business after the Metroid Prime th- uh, Four logo. I don't fast. think you can say. I don't think you can say after because we are continuing to live the Metroid Prime Four yes, logo. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. After the beginning of the uh, the Metroid Prime Four logo, <laughs> the, hundred, the hundred years logo. Farce. I was like, yeah. yeah, I don't know whether they want to be announcing like really major games where they. Johnny comes on later on and he says, you know, that as a general rule, Nintendo doesn't like to to sort of present something at one E3 when they know for a fact it won't be coming out until after the next one. Which, of course, I think it will be true. I don't think we're going to be getting Breath of the Wild two before this year's E three. So, yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a you know um, upset yeah. that they would actually announce it at E three twenty nineteen, and John got that one right. I mean, even that they would just go so be so audacious as to just call it just straight up Breath of the a sequel, sequel to Breath of to, the Wild, a sequel mm. to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, but it's a pretty pretty straight up so. 
Yeah, that, that, that was score one for John. I had that they would sort of uh, keep trying to make up for the Metro Prime 4 logo fast by some sort of tease for a different game that actually would be coming out maybe in 2020, whereas we kind of expect Metro Prime 4 would still be, I, I would have thought, 2021 at the earliest, given the complete development reboot. Uh, but they didn't do that. So no joy for me there. Uh, Guillaume goes for Miyamoto will be asked about Pikmin 4 during lunch and he <laughs> will point at a tub of salad uh, prompting weeks of speculation as to what was meant by that gesture. Mm. <laughs> I, it's almost not a prediction. It's more like a constatation of, uh, uh, I mean, like, yeah. An observation of the 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 gaming press, a damning indictment of the gaming yeah, press. Yeah, well, of course, we went through that period, didn't we, where it's like, oh, Pikmin, you know, he, he was because he he'd been gardening or whatever. He was, and was like, oh, oh, the Ted dogs, he he got a pet, and yeah, it was it was more of an early two thousands thing. I feel, yeah. Um, well, and and what Guillaume didn't anticipate, which he couldn't have anticipated, is that nobody would be at E three twenty nineteen. That it would be this like weird quasi zone headed to the apocalypse it will be this year. So no one got to see Miyamoto eat salad, unfortunately. And also Miyamoto's just too busy with his theme parks and the Mario movie and all that. You just kinda of feel like he's not he's not really in position to be worried about that sort of thing anymore. He's just transitioned out of that part of the, you know, his job where he used to like have high level concepts for something that they, that they should do as a now game. Now he's just mm. trying out snack examples from the snack bar at, at uh, Nintendo Land. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was something about like a picture of him trying in and out. I don't know. I don't know why people made a big de- deal out of it. Well, Miyamoto eats food. It's big news. God. <laughs> Miyamoto incorporeal being shocker. Uh, is, I'm sure is the, uh, the headline there. There are sites in particular I could take the shot at directly, but I don't want people to go to them, so I won't. Uh, uh, but if you want us to write articles about Miyamoto having basic human bodily functions, I mean, we'll do it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash NWR. Miyamoto sleeps in oxygen tent, he believes, gives him creative powers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John's biggest pie in the sky prediction of it was the, vo- the uh, Nintendo mobile voice chat app will be scrapped and regular voice chat will be implemented for all games that had previously used it. I like how that's my biggest pie in the sky. I know. As as opposed to the looter shooter one. (laughs) So, yeah. The Hammer Brothers and the looter shooter. Plausible. Counter argument, John. What if they just don't? What if they just don't? And 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 that's the thing. Like, this year I thought about maybe having one around that, but I was like, no. What if they just don't talk about it? Like, they just ignore the problem. Yep. Yeah. And fight the la- I, don't, I assume I didn't get everything because there's like you know little suggestions all over the place. But the last one, Johnny gets on the call to say that Nintendo will have a Nintendo-like solution to VR, uh, which was a couple of months before Labo VR was announced. Um, but he did say it would have DK64 as a launch title, which I think was just a gratuitous way to reference the DK rap 
and John uh, doing it presumably, on the te- John yeah. I mean, John doing John, it on John is your wind up monkey with path. the DK app, so it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll dance for you. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. Thank you. So I mean, good, that's good, but still, you're dancing you know, for money. He was he was pretty close with the with the VR the VR in general. So it's cool. All right, well. I don't have an order picked out. That's fine. I don't know that we necessarily need one. Um, historically, we kind of rotate around, but we can just kind of kind of go and just don't be a dick and try to get all your stuff out in one shot. Um, so who want who wants to uh to take first first go? Uh, I can go first if you would like, James. I, I if you would like, John. Hey, all of mine are pretty tame. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing weird here. Um, my first prediction is that this year they're going to announce a Game Boy Mini. Okay. So, and, and you know, we, we've talked about this as a potential device for probably two years now. Yeah. I mean, my rationale here is, you know, I think last November, Doug Bowser came out and people were asking him about the N64 Mini, and he said that that is not a priority right now. We're not doing it. Um, well, not that they're not doing it, but he just said it's not a priority because people were like, okay, well, you've had this success. With the NES Classic Mini and the SNES Classic Mini, what about the N64? And he was like, well, you know, he kind of downplayed it. And I think that's because they're not, their next, their next mini console, quote unquote console, is going to be the Game Boy. Well, the, their next mini console was the NES Mini again. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually try and meet demand a bit more the, yeah. the, the second time around. But yeah, I mean, I've always felt, and it's, it's not difficult to see why, you know, the Game Boy, in terms of the software, library to do a kind of you know, pre-installed mini like console thing is a lot more attractive because you know, there's just a lot more kind of uh, you know particularly successful games that you can draw on nostalgia wise but also it's got a lot more games from Japanese partners that they mm-hmm. can work with it just right. seems like the problem with the N64 is you got the usual suspects uh, in terms of Nintendo's output, but then you're talking about rare stuff. You're talking about you know North American developers or even British developers in some cases, like had some of the more famous games on there that weren't Nintendo. So it's like if you're going to try and build a library of pre-installed games for an N64 Mini that's as representative of that system's output as the NES and the Super NES minis were, then it seems like they're gonna have to get out of their comfort zone with putting together the, you know, the partners um mm-hmm. to, to to get the the kind of lineup on there. Whereas with Game Boy, it's more not that there weren't many, many, you know, very uh, notable Western games on Game Boy or NES and Super NES for that matter. But the point is you could pretty much follow the same model that they have done, you know, getting Stuff from Square and Capcom and Konami and so forth uh, to complement their own things, and you've got a, a nice lineup. The uh, the tricky part is you talk about hardware that's fundamentally different because presumably you're going to have to have a built-in screen. It needs to function portably to be a meaningful Game Boy Mini. Mm-hmm. I, I think also I think from the standpoint of generating interest, I think demographic-wise, I think it could appeal to the old school Nintendo fans, but then also I could generate enough interest from people that for, you know, young Nintendo fans for which the Game Boy is kind of an artifact, you know? I just think I just think it would have a really broad appeal, probably broader than you would even imagine. And the fact that it's so compact that people could just grab it and, and go, you know? 
Maybe they've run into a technological problem where they can't find an LCD screen with enough uh, remnants, pixel remnants to... <laughs> yeah, the, the know, color screen. Needs more blur. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the interest... So, there is a sort of um, thing happening in culture with younger people people who grew up with all of their properties being digital like everything they own is digital um where they they seem to have this weird faux nostalgia for something tangible um and it's it's kind of popped up in the vinyl space where these aren't people who have nostalgia for vinyl because since the vinyls was dead 20 years before they were born but they just literally don't own anything physical. Like, all of their music, all of their, their movies, all of their games, like, all of that stuff is is either a subscription or a digital access or whatever. And records sort of have a resonance with that group simply because they're big and bulky and ha- and look cool. Yeah. So, what I would say is there could be a, a, a limited lane here of market for, like, a Game Boy that looks like the old Game Boy Fat, mm-hmm. um, but I just I just wonder what that what that looks like, and if that's sellable. But there is there is somebody at Nintendo marketing for sure who's gone. Oh yeah, we can sell this to the kids. It'll be hipster cool. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure, they're probably they're probably wrong, but. They're trying. Well, it depends what sort of quantities you want to sell it in, and, right. uh, and what quantities are actually worth doing. You know, as well, because you know, you look at what they, the way they handled the the NES Mini, they're quite conservative, and clearly ended up, you know, far underestimating demand. But you know, in this case, you perhaps could go for a smaller quantity that wouldn't so severely underestimate demand, but it would still be worth a while to do it, potentially. But uh, that's what complicates matters, is the fact that the device itself would have to be, you know, more uh, than the other ones have been. And, yeah, so if you had, like, a, a system from history that had the kind of Game Boy's kind of library, but was, you know, the N64 in terms of, you know, it was a console, it hooked up to the TV, they, they probably would have done it already. The problem is right. neither one is quite right to follow up the, the NES, Super NES line of minis. It's as likely as anything else we're going to predict is probably the, the right way. To- I really hope they do something, though. Like obviously, going back to my prediction last year about them adding you know, sort of Game Boy or and or Advance to NSO, you know, like... Do something with it. <laughs> I mean, Switch is portable. Like, why? Yeah. Why shouldn't portable games be part of the the sort of legacy uh, element of the subscription? Like, it, it's, it, it's it's funny because I've been playing this week um, the Mana Collection and uh, the uh, the Konami Collection. The first thing I did was play uh, the the Contra Game Boy game Operation C. Yeah, and the uh, M2's emulator is just gorgeous and it, it just it kind of made me upset because it made me like oh, oh the the filter the one that's actually for the great the game boy screen yeah yeah uh, yeah and it kind of yeah. made me upset because it made me like realize like what could be it's it's <laughs> it's funny you know i, I don't know why i mentioned this when i it might have been when i played the castlevania collection you know playing Probably, one of the yeah. adventure games but the um that filter is is 
by far the best like imitation of an old Game Boy screen I've seen. Mm-hmm. In that it's not just green, like it actually it tries to replicate the dot matrix kind of element of it, uh, the yeah. way that the pixels are displayed, the, the space yeah between the pixels and uh, yeah it's just it's gorgeous and I, I uh, yeah as I said like it made me upset because I realized like I want every Game Boy game like this and I want them on the Switch. It's it's funny because it's this weird never realm in terms of like. It's, it is definitely really, I didn't own a Game Boy as a child. I only played them, you know, friends Game Boys fairly infrequent. Yeah, but same here. I remember when I, pl- when I booted up one of those collections and, and saw that filter and how sort of accurate it was, it actually brought it back to me. Like, I'm at yeah. school. It's the last day of school. Everyone's brought their toys in. I'm looking at a Game Boy screen. Like, it would, that's how accurate it felt. <laughs> but of course, it didn't have, like, the rampant ghosting, like, and all, all the rest of no, it. Uh, no, they, they, yeah. So you, you kind of get this accurate version, but of course, it is actually nicer than it really was. So, yeah, it just, uh, it's untapped. There's no doubt about it. You know, yeah, you get some of these collections that include Game Boy iterations and stuff, but it is underrepresented, especially on a portable system, especially now that we're in, you know, this uh, post Switch Lite world where, you know, Switch is only a portable in, in some cases. Like the portable history needs better representation. It's, it's weird because there, there is a, uh, almost a black hole uh, of you know well over half of the games that came out for Nintendo systems from like 92 to 2000 something because in the N64 era who boy um that are just gone like the Nintendo doesn't even talk about them yeah, yeah I, a- I mean you know virtual console on 3DS was not a terrible like marketplace or you know like it brought a lot of things back for another look and you know the quality of the emulation was not um you know particularly bad it was certainly better i think for game boy game boy color than it was for nes uh on right. 3ds but you 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 would like to see more and i think a subscription service again we keep talking about it the subscription model gives you the chance to kind of get different kinds of games getting a look from people again you know i think some of the things they've run into with virtual console over the years is that you know it's fine for the people that do want to uh play the old standards uh, again or you know installments in series they know very well but maybe you know they miss that particular one because they didn't have a game boy at that time or whatever but beyond the well-known properties it's it's difficult to get people to part with their money on that kind of you know uh per item basis whereas subscription wise you could kind of uh potentially dig deeper in more obscure places and get people to play but i guess we're still wait does that actually work with nintendo switch online or do people just say oh screw that i want donkey kong country because uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's some of the kind of reaction that you seem to get with the, some of these updates that they've done yeah. uh, after the Super Nintendo games first went live. Yeah, I. I uh, the other the other thing to consider is that we've seen a lot of companies seemingly wanting to reclaim their their legacy and sell it as 
collections. Do it as a collection, exactly. It's like if this has got real kind of premium potential, then we want to do it as a and, and some of them already have been. But right. you know, if you have like Nintendo's uh, kind of core stuff, and then you can kind of have some of these more like lesser known things around it you know there's so you look at some of the games that um the the third parties have been willing to quote unquote part with on super nintendo like for instance the super nintendo component and nintendo switch online does not have street fighter 2 but it does have ghouls and ghosts and demons crest so it's like by extension you can pretty much guess like if you know you did a game boy one you'd probably be able to get gargoyle's quest on there you know, they they'd mm. be willing to to have that as part of the service. Makes sense. Yep. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Okay. You want to hear something dumb? Uh, I'm I'm on this podcast, so yeah, probably. All right. So I came up with this prediction a while ago, and it uh, kind of became more likely a little bit. It's not going to happen. Don't get me wrong, but it became more likely since uh, I call I, your uh, bookies. Huh? I said, call your bookies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. So this uh, is the this is the win probability graph when you hit a home run down like twelve nothing. It's just yeah, edged sure. up a little bit, but you're still at like two point one percent or something, depending on how yeah. early it is. A few weeks ago, for people who are not Patreon subscribers, we published a movie club episode where we watched Double Dragon and then tried to make sense of it for almost two hours. So, Which is longer than the movie. Double Dragon was on my mind. The Drabble, Double Dragon movie was on my mind. And so my prediction is that uh, the next batch of fighters for uh, Smash is going to include uh, Bimmy and Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> of course, uh, because I had the movie on my mind. So for people who haven't seen it, that's a movie where uh, Robert Patrick turns into kind of a, a, an obsidian sheet of paper or something. Like he turns into a shadow and then possesses people. Or it's kind of unclear exactly what the, the extent of his powers are. But uh, the it's, whole... it's, it's a lot like Geist. He, he has plot dependent powers. But I, I think that the sheet of paper obsidian thing is what uh, I wanted to focus on because, of course, to uh, unlock like whatever, like the the what is I I can't I don't even know what it is like the the thing where you you get trophies or um, anyway like the special uh, fight associated spirits. the spirits. All right, so the the special fight associated with uh, Bimmy and Jimmy is of course uh, fighting a whole bunch of game and watches. That can, uh, yes. Mr. Game and Watch, that can just uh, possess you or something. What makes it more likely is that uh, for whatever reason, the uh, Kunio Kun and Double Dragon collection is getting localized. Yeah. For the West, so I I don't know. I think this is a hot property now. Well, they already had the the Kunio Kun spirits. Yeah. So, so what we realized at the time when they they're going to be the doubling of uh, yeah, like it doesn't really matter if the spirits are already there. You can get the the because these could be really interesting characters. Now, no, they I, can't. I, I, no, 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 no. I think I think they no. could be. Look, no. listen, listen. Of course, you're you're just <laughs> no. You didn't really listen to me. I didn't say that the you would get as fighters, Bimmy, and also Jimmy. You're getting Bimmy and Jimmy. It's I know. I, I knew where you were going. But it's basically Ice Climber. So you're 
controlling both at the same time, but, and here's the, the twist, and I think it's genius, they can hit each other. Friendly fire on. So you're trying to control these two dudes, and you got to avoid just punching yourself in the back of the head. Also, the victory screen, you can fight each other. Well, I hope so, yeah. yeah gotta the, decide the, who gets uh, Marion. <laughs> I think the final smash should involve one of them dunking the other. So you will, you are guaranteed to smash one person, but Bimmy will always dunk Jimmy into the into the abyss. Yes. Uh, and also, to be clear, it should refer to them as Bimmy and friend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because only huh. one of those names is important, and it sure as fuck ain't Jimmy. So yeah, the, when when the 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 Kunio Kun spirits happened, I'm pretty sure we said on the show at the time. I don't know why that doesn't make any sense. This company's not even involved. And then a week later, the Kunio Kun collection got announced, leading me to believe that the order of announcements was simply wrong, mm. and that that announcement was supposed to come before all the spirit bullshit. Yeah, because obviously we're getting like a Cuphead spirit event. Like right. shortly after we finished recording this or whatever, and that uh, you know was you have sequenced the way you would imagine it is. It's like you get the you know the the me costume uh, DLC along with the the song uh, for the music the uh, section, and then you know you have the spirits after that. Like that makes sense. Whereas the yeah, the Cunha thing was just out of the blue, and then but then they had the astral chain ones like months late. Well, yeah, what was, what was up was with that? out and available this was a case where like the game hadn't been announced yet in most of the world and no, the still, when drop. you when you line it up with like the have the kind of synchronicity they had for like the Damon x machina ones it's still just yeah. like why did this take so long oh yeah and it was probably just like the spirit the spirit train kept rolling so that the astral chain ones came along but it like legitimately it was like sequenced off by a single week almost like somebody got like the week of and they gave a sunday time <laughs> and the person in america said oh you mean you mean the monday the week of start on mondays and it just fucked the whole the whole chain of communication up like it was so close that it was trains passing in the night like almost impossibly close unless ignorance came into play so i'm going to stick to that as my explanation um, my first prediction is a fairly banal one, but I'm going to accept it. Um, Nintendo will have one incredibly important release related to the work of Mr. Miyamoto this year. I know we said he's been busy, uh, working on his, working on the Mario movie. I'm not counting that. Um, and the, cause also I think it comes out in 2021. No, I know it comes out in 2021. They've been busy with the Mario movie, and they've also, of course, been busy trying to get Nintendo Super Nintendo Land available before the Olympics start in a few months. Yeah. Um. And so that what I'm not I'm not giving you a cop out announcement of oh they're going to announce something and Miyamoto will be involved. Blah blah blah. No, I have a specific thing that Nintendo is going to release, and it is a press release apologizing for the fact that as many fans as they wanted to could not get in to Super Nintendo Land at Universal Studios promising, quote, they will do better going forward so that everyone can have the experience that they want to have there. 
this press release is going to happen and we're all going to look around and say, why are you apologizing for this? What's wrong with you? And I can say this with absolute confidence because they fucking did it for a store in Tokyo when they opened up their Tokyo store. They put out a press release apologizing for lines at the store. <laughs> which is the most Nintendo-ass bullshit that's ever happened. So you are waiting for your Super Nintendo Land press release. And what, of course, that is implicitly saying is that Super Nintendo Land, at least at Universal Studios Japan, is going to be very successful. What I don't know is what the international ones will do. But it's going to be a big deal. We're going to hear a lot about it as it tries to emergency open in time for the Olympics. That's, that's like I said, that's my fairly banal prediction. So they'll get wilder as they go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of the pattern that we saw yeah. with the recap. Just, just the year. thought, like if for any other company, that prediction, you would think I had lost my goddamn mind. Yeah, open floor. Yeah, well, I will go back to the topic of Smash DLC, so it's kind of like a little uh, grouping of minor predictions. Uh, We've got six character slots to go now, so yeah, it's all back on. Um, I do think, uh, obviously, there was a lot of uh, smoke about it before the Byleth thing dropped, but I do think uh, we may well see Dante from uh, Devil May Cry get in eventually uh but i I have long said that uh, there'll be a pokemon representative from uh sword and shield uh, eventually um but i'm changing it now before it would have been i think it's called rillaboom the grass uh starter final evolution um but now i'm thinking you know maybe if this goes to the very back of the character pack uh, you know, like the sixth one or something, they might go with that um, Urshifu that evolves from Cubfu that we saw in the DLC announcement because I just kind of feel like they're going to try really hard to make that a thing. So uh, that's my Pokemon representative of the six. I also think, um, like I've said this before, at some point they've got to sell costumes for actual characters rather than just me costumes. So you can imagine, you know, things that we already have like Mario Maker Mario, uh, for instance. Um, you know, but, uh, things that they can now sell you. Like, I don't know, like the, the wedding version of Bowser from Super Mario Odyssey. He does, he looks good in the top hat. So I don't see why you shouldn't see him getting the shit knocked out of him in it as well. Uh, but I was also thinking you could, it's another way you talk about like with the spirits and stuff. It's another way you could use to try and tie things in. Like for instance, of course, you know, Bayonetta is already in the game, but provide, say for instance, she has another new look for three, the way she did for two, you know, redesign the costume and everything. Well, you could just sell that as a costume, tying in for when Bayonetta 3 presumably gets shown, talked about, actually released, released this year. Yeah, Exists. It's going well, the development, that's what I heard. <laughs> I mean, if you're not trying, everything's going well. Uh, yeah, that that's a, that's a game worthy of its own prediction, I suspect. Who's got the cur? All right, why don't we just collectively just do a vote on? Does anybody have a bayonetta prediction they want to do? Or are we just going to go ahead and say, is it coming or not? Uh, I think it's it's coming, and it's going to be around Halloween 
It, it will happen. Ooh. Uh, I, think, I think it's coming. I think it makes more sense for it to come uh, for Easter. But we're getting close. <laughs> I mean, that is that is my spirit of rebirth. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, like the angels and the all I'm that a- stuff. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we see it, but not this year. Or we, I mean, we see it, but we don't own it this year. How about that? Uh, so it, it does it does exist in corporeal form <laughs> yeah, in, 20, it, in 2020. We would actually see like a character redesign or multiple character redesigns and settings and you know all that sort of stuff that we haven't seen anything of yet because it's basically just a logo at the Game Awards. Right. Not and not the most recent game awards. Oh, not nearly. Or the one before that. <laughs> exactly. Many, many game awards ago. I still kind of feel like there's got to be someone, a major third party that gets into Smash that hasn't been in before this in this pack. You know, uh, they've done like I said, Dante would be somewhat you know, duplicative because they've been to the Capcom well multiple times. Um, but, uh, I don't know, you know, level five, we've sort of touched on this. They're not what they used to be, uh, in terms I of mean, their prominence just, in just Japan. Just put but... Leighton in. Christ, it's not that complicated. Mm. It really isn't. It's going to be, if it's level five, though, it's probably going to be fucked. Well, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think they'd let them put, like, Jibanyan in or something. <laughs> yeah, and that's, 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 that's because, I mean, uh, there was a point where Yoko Watch was absolutely massive in Japan. But right. uh, I, I, I see we're past that point now. Yeah, that that is in the past. Um, so, like, if if you're talking about iconic, and I, I, I hesitate to use that word here it, it uh, is overused <laughs> yeah me. well and le- level five is the kind of company who would start calling snack world iconic <laughs> by the way it ain't um i i i think Layton is the most obvious choice for audience overlap reasons for place and history reasons for the fact that it is a partnership between nintendo and level five um, that in terms of legacy untarnished by level five's um, profligacy is probably the right word here. Um, Leighton is certainly less uh, stained. Um, like, yeah, you could do something from Inazuma 11, I guess, but like, damn, no, that's not necessary at all. As much fun as I want to have, you know, more soccer balls kicked directly at the head of children with the force of a nuclear bomb. I to don't be fair, think... the Smash Brothers already accommodates your desires in that area. You know, yeah, you, but these, but you, these you, are people... you drop kick a soccer ball in Smash Brothers with Bowser at Young Link's face. He gone. Yeah, but here's the problem. That's a that's a thing I have to execute. In Inazuma Eleven, this is the default course of action. And so there is a there is a dividing line somewhere of like if I if I need the premium child murdering with a soccer ball experience and I can't afford to wait for it it is ready manufactured for me but no Layton is the obvious um, do we finally get a real Western character like not because you could say oh well banjo but I mean banjo yeah made under- I know what you mean yeah. yeah. It- it's um interesting question. We've had like, minor representation for Assassin's Creed in Smash at this point. Yeah, the, the, the costume. 
So there's that and, and Cuphead as well. Uh, yeah. now. So, and Undertale. Um, yeah. So, uh, baby steps, but it's, yeah, it still seems, I mean, thinking like, well, Lara Croft's weird now because she's owned by Square Enix. But, yeah, but I mean, even if you count that, uh, Lara Croft has, I mean, I know you could say, oh, it doesn't matter if it's ever been on a Nintendo system, but Lara Croft has very not been on a Nintendo system. Yeah, considering how much things have, you know, at this point, especially with Switch, but also, you know, with all the various twists and turns of, you know, different platforms and, you know, rights and all that down the years, like a, a lot of uh, series, you know, that were thought of as something that, you know, wouldn't be on Nintendo platforms have been on them now, but that, that, right. uh, uh, it's not as if, um, there haven't been, uh, Tomb Raider games on Nintendo systems ever, but it's not something you'd really associate with. The Nintendo. infinite chain of reboots has never brought it to the Nintendo shores. Well, so what was on, what was on Wii? Which one was, uh, um, oh, was it anniversary or something? I, I have yeah, no idea. I think so. Yeah. I have, I have yet to play a Tomb Raider game as far as I can Honestly, remember. They're, they're pretty eh. In my in my opinion, like it, the, it, it, the 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 audience who's like, oh, Master Chief, I think that does, that doesn't really fit in a lot of ways, but also it would, it's Master Chief in Smash feels like a fucking PlayStation Battle Royale. Yeah, he doesn't uh, he doesn't really fit that type of game. I don't think. No, Just, I mean uh, the thing is, it's not like he has some sort of. Even remotely has like some sort of established move set. You know what I'm saying? Like, like in hit, like for like a lot of these other characters, you know, they have stuff where you know they have like moves or things that they do where you can see like, oh well, you could take that attack and turn it into something in Smash pretty easily. Master Chief doesn't have that. I mean, well, I mean, Captain Falcon didn't either. But yeah, th- true. Like yeah, but I think I think people like Mega Man. Uh, Simon Belmont yeah, characters sure. like that they did and that you know people really wanted them and then you know when the, the you know, it finally kind of came around you know Sakurai and the team they delivered on it you know they really did mm-hmm. manage to implement all those kind of trademark uh, features of their locomotion and their attacking and stuff into the character yeah so some yeah. characters have that kind of clearly from their kind of you know, original source material kind of baked in, and then others don't. Yeah, others you have to get a lot more kind of creative. Yeah, I mean, you could say, I guess you could probably, uh, you could say Master Chief is similar maybe to, to Samus. I mean, Samus obviously has, she can roll up into a ball, but I mean, she's still ultimately, you know, kind of a first person, first, first person shooter well, character. Well, Hold on, though, because historically, no, she's not. Yeah, historically, no, but still. And that, I mean, no, still, no, that's because still, still, a, still a character Samus that shoots is, a gun, mainly. Samus's uh, moveset is still fundamentally very similar to what it was in the original Smash, which hasn't been in uh, anything first-person mm-hmm. yet. So it's, you know, it's the screw attack, the morph ball bomb, the charge beam, the grapple beam. You know, it, it's all kind of Super Metroid stuff and... You know, yeah. it, 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 they 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 did it really well the first time, and then um, they added the missiles in melee. I think, and it's been you know yeah, basically exactly. the same since. But yeah. you know, it, it's um, you could do the thing about Samus, you know, in that form with the suit on and everything is, is like not like this overwhelmingly like expressive character. 
um, which is obviously you know the kind of character you'd be dealing with Master Chief as well. So you, you've proven that part of it. It doesn't have to be you know that's the thing about Smash. It's it's this <laughs> melange of of every your know, characters who are super expressive. You know, kind of, you, yeah. know you can really see you know everything they're doing to you know a character, especially like Dark Samus is just this like unholy abomination thing that floats around. <laughs> you know, I mean mm. they all mix together and it's fine. Yeah, yeah, I just, I, just I, I think like Master Chief. I mean, Master Chief shoots different guns and throws a grenade, and that's it. So the only way you're gonna, the only way you're gonna mix that up is by giving him different guns to shoot. So he's also got like we've got his down B figured out, right? Like, isn't there like that crouching move that you can do after you kill someone? <laughs> I, uh... Okay, yeah, it's deep. Yeah, I think Smash players online have already discovered this arcane technique. <laughs> you speak of. I see. <laughs> Not Smash players, Greg. I know, it's shocking, they're, isn't it? They're so pure. Yeah, maybe yeah. they could... Uh, maybe they don't could, shower. It's, could, no, that's how pure they are. You could exactly. pull out a road hog or whatever the way that uh, Wario pulls out his bike. <laughs> I'm struggling sure. here. And then you drive it badly. You're very the, badly. The AI drives it off the side of the stage. It's fine. I, I think I think the, the, the issue... Um, uh, I think there's a litany of issues beyond the rights. I think, I think it just doesn't spiritually fit right. I think also... Uh, Master Chief, which I almost called Captain King as a reference to the fact that the name is pretty generic, um, is is a you almost never playing a game see him because it's it's all first person. Um, and it's just it just doesn't feel right. Like it does it does it would it would be a weird inclusion that's kind of kind of not uh, probably wouldn't jive with the audience that they're they're trying to sell it to. It wouldn't. It wouldn't necessarily feel duplicative. It would just feel kind of ill-fitting. Uh, if if the the rare sale had never happened, I think Joanna is probably the proxy for your um, <laughs> your Golden Eye. Yeah, I guess uh, she would probably be more like Solid Snake uh, right. as a character if if you were gonna do it. Yeah, I mean, I think that would that, but she would be there largely because Bond couldn't be. Um, yeah, also true. Yeah. Um, and as much fun as her summoning an alien with an instant death laser that could shoot through walls and also homes it on targets would be. Yeah, the far sight. You get the you get the filter goes over the screen. Because <laughs> if they didn't have the filter, it'd be too powerful. Um, I mean, it's already too powerful. It'd be intensely too powerful. Um, like it's it's tough. It's a tough it's a tough thing to do. And we get this email periodically of like, who's the, now we've got six of these fuckers to figure out. But I say uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna get some more like bylith style ones. I would assume you know, oh, more, yeah. more than one out of five, maybe even you know two or three this time, uh, where it's you know series that have uh, you know been covered before. But having said that, uh, there's a lot of series that aren't as well kind of uh, catered to in Smash as 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 Fire Emblem is. Yeah, Fire Emblem already had a, a, a number of characters. Whereas you've got some pretty major series in Smash Brothers that you know you probably could have another character and it would it would feel more significant because you know, they haven't got the most characters already. Right. Does anybody mind if I give my uh, my next prediction here? No, go ahead. We are dramatically overdue for something of of huge earth-shattering importance and that thing is another mario sports game and i think we are due 
for some Mario fucking golf. And that's what it's going to be called. And then they're going to change the name. Mario fucking golf. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to change the name right before they announce it because they realize the <laughs> okay. problem. It's not, it, yeah, it's not going right. to be the box art. Is not going to be him like mounting uh, <laughs> Gary Player or something. Uh, Jack like, Nicholas. Yeah, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, uh, but I, you know, I think it's it's, it's, it's only be, been, it's 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 gonna be Mario fucking golf featuring Tiger Woods, of course. There's only been one Mario sports game on the on Switch. Yeah. Uh these Mario games have sold in unholy numbers. Mario Party whatever. Um it just continues to sell units at a rate that is alarming. I I think we're due. Uh, you know, we had Mario Tennis. Uh, I, I agree. It's completely. We Mario Tennis did all right. Then uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it did. fit fit a spot and I mean I enjoyed using it quite a bit, but also uh you know like you said it, it's it's been quite a while. You know, the the golf game on 3ds was a, a long, long time ago now, but that that was pretty good as well. Even though it was you know kind of a lot, there was a fair amount of it that was like you know, recycled from your know, past uh, Camelot Mario Golf games, right? Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it wasn't in the the prediction show we recapped. But I don't know whether we did something kind of previewing E3. Uh, last year, and I was sort of like, "Oh, that that could be something you know plausible to throw in." Would be uh, another Mario Sports totally. game like, because it just uh, it, it makes it, it makes too much sense. Hopefully, um, you know, Camelot will get the opportunity to put some substantial amount of kind of content into it rather than just having to focus too much on improving the graphics to of their you know existing golf output to uh, Switch level. Yeah. That's that's that was my next one. So, who's up? Uh, I'll go next. So, very recently, Nintendo uh, they sent out a press release that had a couple of games in it. Uh, of course, I of course closed our email, uh, but they were. Give me just one moment here. Um, there were a couple of games that were released in Japan and Europe. But they were not released in America. Hmm. And that got me thinking. There is another game that has not been released in America, but was released in Japan and Europe. And that game is Terra Enigma. And I think that Terra Enigma hmm. this year is going to finally, I feel like I've made this prediction before, but I think this year it's actually going to happen. Terra Enigma is going to come to Nintendo Switch Online. Because it seems like Nintendo Switch Online is being saved for these, mostly, being saved for these kind of almost boutique types of games where this wasn't released in the U.S. and now we're putting on Nintendo Switch Online rather than just this dumping ground for the stuff that you've already already seen a dozen times. No, it seems plausible to me. I mean, I see that's the thing, I suppose. For, the like, as you mentioned, it's um, Papa Twin B mm-hmm. and uh, the... Well, the Namco tennis game that came to Smash, Europe it's Smash, as tennis, Smash yeah. tennis, yeah. But so, you know, probably not the most exciting example of that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, like, uh, 60 bit kind of fans would have been hoping for. But just the fact that it is happening that way is certainly, mm-hmm. uh, encouraging. Uh, because, you know, you did have, uh, some, like, obviously when it didn't get out of Japan, you've got the language issue. 
Um, you know, and that in some cases you have games where yeah, there isn't a lot of uh, text that you could do it. Which I think they did. They already do that with Puyo Puyo Two. They just put the Japanese one, uh, yeah, Japanese yeah. Super Famicom uh, Puyo Puyo Two on there, which was cool. That was in the initial batch, but yeah, where you know, you it wasn't terribly common. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think cute shoot 'em ups was was a weird little sort of. The vein of content that for some reason were thought of as, you know, something that Europe might like, whereas American companies evidently shot down the idea of, like, let's shoot them up to serious things. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have all colorful nonsense and cats. Americans on. thirst for blood. <laughs> you don't have cats on battleships or anything because I think, blood. I think, you know, uh, parody us for Super Famicom got localized uh the, the first one that came out in super famicom got localized for europe but not uh america as well so you've got that element of it and yeah the rpg is a really strange thing to happen to get localized for for anywhere in europe uh, versus north america because you know, in general you've got bigger linguistic barriers there than you yeah. have uh, just selling it to the North American market. So it was a really rare thing, uh, but it did happen in the case of Terranigma. And, uh, yeah, it just it seems like, um, you know, an opportunity. You know, one of these things that, you know, for all the various kind of gaps that things like Virtual Console or retro compilations have filled in over the past, you know, 15 years or whatever, um, that's still one that hasn't been. And it yep. seems like as good a venue as any to actually do it because like a, a premium collection or something like that just doesn't seem like an obvious home for it. Yeah. And Nintendo also published it in Europe. So there's a history of them publishing it themselves. So I like it. I hope we get more, more things like that. Certainly. Yep. Well, we haven't Did- seen yet. It'll be a little bit interesting when Pop and Twinbee arrives. Uh, and, and, uh, Smash Tennis, I guess, is like how they handle the whole PAL thing. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be too yeah. difficult to just, like, okay, well, it's basically the PAL ROM, but now it runs at the proper speed. But, um, I guess we haven't seen that yet on Nintendo Switch Online, so we don't know that they're going to handle it properly. I mean, they really should. Um, but, like, for instance, with Wii U Virtual Console, um, I believe, uh, Papa Twibby came out. On uh, European, you know, the PAL Wii U Virtual Console, and it still ran 50 hertz. But you know, <laughs> obviously, it's a different kettle of fish when it's like, oh, here's this thing for you know um, American uh, Switch Online account holders or whatever. So uh, they'll just they'll just fix it. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, admittedly, I could just you know sort of nip around to my Japanese account and play the Japanese version just fine, even if that were a problem. But still, it would be a bad precedent to set if they don't appropriately kind of uh, uh, convert whatever it would be the appropriate word to just make, got to. make sure yeah. it uh, runs properly. Yeah. Uh, I've got one um, for E3. Um, so Ooh. Nintendo won't have one big game that they'll show on the on the floor show floor, you know, like they did with Breath of the Wild, basically. And uh, what year was that? Twenty seventeen, eighteen, sixteen. Anyway, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. 16. Was, Jeez, was that Breath it of the came Wild. Seventeen. 
Early, God, yeah, it came okay. out in March because the seventeen was Mario, and then eighteen was Smash. Anyway, so so Breath of the Wild was the only game playable in the show floor. Uh, this year, everyone is scaling back on E3. Uh, Nintendo is going to have a lot of games, actually, but they're only going to be playable on one TV on the show floor. Uh, and you you uh, you got to select it on the switch uh, the, on the demo switch, and uh, <laughs> the time that you select it is, is counts towards you know the five minutes that you get on the game, and then you know go back to the the end of the line. Basically, the the rest of the show, the space that Nintendo has at E three is going to be occupied by like the line. I don't know, like s- ski ball. I was where, thinking uh, it'd just be like a ridiculously elaborate treehouse life set. They've just got like, it could be. They've got like Part an enormous slide, a ball pit. I mean, it's basic. I want them it's to have, but I like it's wrestling. It's the set <laughs> for a '90s children's game show. Yeah, uh, basically that occupies most of their space. Uh, if yeah. uh, if we remember the E3 that they showed off uh, Mario Kart Deluxe uh, for no, not Deluxe. Mario Kart 8 for Wii U and like the the honking on the gamepad and everything. Um, <laughs> there was thinking. also it was earth shattering. Wasn't it? I, I almost never. <laughs> yeah, I obviously, oh, yeah. you know, being well, of the, the age I was, you know, luckily didn't have something like you know the assassination of JFK to sort of always remember where you were. But <laughs> but with the honking, it was very much that way. Look, gamepad functionality front and center. Uh, it, it, for that at that moment, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's not too late. For the Wii U. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I was, uh, I remember it because I was playing that demo and I was like honking my heart out and uh, it was amazing. But right behind me, there was like this big setup where uh, there was like, I can't remember, was it a crane game? Basically, basically you could win a, a, a 3DS uh, from the setup in the middle. So basically it's going to be that uh, on a larger scale. Is it just going to give out Wii U's that they weren't able to sell before they recalled them all? Well, I I, I don't know if they still have Wii U's, but I was thinking, yeah, like maybe. Oh no, like Nintendo overstock. still has Wii U somewhere. Believe me, all the white Wii U's you can shake a stick. <laughs> um, and, and for some reason, like there's like uh, a bunch of uh, Starlink Battle for Atlas, uh, you know, sets the toys uh, that you yeah. can win also. Yeah. yeah. The, that is my ultimate moment of when I bought a Starlink. The, the what is it, the premium kit with all the toys in it, and it was like ten dollars cheaper than buying the game. <laughs> yeah, take this off our hands, please. We are paying you to take this from us. Um, I, I actually had a had a thought on E3. So uh, the ESA put out a press release. Uh, uh, January, they put out their first their first like our first preview of the new E3 experience, and it sounded. Like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 terms like they didn't they didn't say, they didn't actually say anything because the ESA is a bunch of fucking bastards who um, couldn't even be bothered to accurately apologize for the fact that they leaked my personal information. Instead, simply just saying that like we know security is important, so we've made a brand new website that doesn't have personal contact information in it, which isn't an accomplishment. That shouldn't have been happening since oh I don't know websites were invented. Yeah, and then also this week didn't they leak the oh they, didn't they accidentally leak the list of companies at E3 because they didn't have a, a document password protected? 
Oh God! Probably. I think they, I think they did. So, that, that so yeah, they they put out a list of companies that are going to be attending E3 and vicariously who are not. Um, and then this caused some com- confusion about whether or not Nintendo was going to be at E3 because they weren't included in the exhibitors list. At which point the ESA responded to a press question saying, "Quote: Nintendo will be intimately or deeply or something like Nintendo will be deeply involved." in E3 and it's like what the fuck does that mean that doesn't mean they're an exhibitor what are you hiding from us you fucking animals um but among the the great revelations is that they noted uh one of the very first very first as in of the most important thing bullet points of this new E3 experience the things at which they regard as of the utmost of importance is the phrase celebrity guest gamers um, oh which my I God, that went sounds trans- like a phrase from the early 90s. Uh, yep. I, I, I described it as, quote, not a good phrase, uh, and then went and translated it into Latin and realized it sounds like a hex. Yeah, so it's uh, going to be Rob, Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, so yeah, um, what, what I am saying is that Treehouse Live, this is my prediction now, is going to be riddled with C and D tier celebrities that we're going to have to sit through because fuck you if you think I'm going to E3, you bastards. You're only giving us one day of media access, and then it's two days of open fucking season. Yeah, and yeah, and um, it's horrible. And there may not even be people there to see. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be like, you're going to have Treehouse Live, and I'm going to go ahead and say that it's going to be like six hours of Ninja on the couch talking about fucking Fortnite. Because the ESA is going to beg Nintendo to do that, and then we're going to be here together just sobbing. Just sobbing. So what I'm saying is, Trios Live is going to be worse this year, because it's the it's probably the most watched thing produced from the show floor, and the idea of content live from the show floor is front and center in the ESA's um, write-up of their new vision, because they too watch Treehouse Live. And celebrity guests, gamers, because they apparently didn't watch any of the things that EA has done for the last five years, <laughs> where, where that was always terrible. Oh. Poor Nintendo. Um, and uh, no, you know what? We're gonna have a celebrity guest gamer TM playing Mario Kart Tour on Trios Live. There's my prediction. There's the specific parameters. And they're going to be playing the Invisible Man, aka Spike, possibly Doctor Spike, potentially Doctor Baby Spike, or even most outrageously, Dry Doctor Baby Gold P- Pink wait, Gold. Wait, Spike. Is, is Spike actually the villain in that new Invisible Man movie with Elizabeth Martin? Um, I would argue the villains are the people who wrote that movie, <laughs> based on based on the trailer I saw of it. Um, so yes. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and say Spike is responsible for that movie. Yes, yes it just you know the bit where it's like oh, there's someone sitting in that chair, and you just if you look right. closely, he's, it's got he's a bit, in that chair it's because there's yeah. a very you know, sharp sort of depression in the chair <laughs> at various points. <laughs> that would actually save that movie. And then when he moves, like a bit of stuff in comes out of the chair because he's penetrated through the upholstery. <laughs> It, he just knocks shit over as he's trying to walk around because he's so wide. Also because he's carrying a stupidly long spiked <laughs> bar around with it. <laughs> Ruins the stealth part of it. Oh, that movie looks dreadful. Also, they were showing previews of it before like a really super serious and sad movie I watched, so I was very confused. 
who's your audience? Oh, they're both rated R. They should go together. Um, I have I have one that's a tie-in here. If, if anybody doesn't mind me jumping and doing two, I'll I'll sure. be quiet for a while. Um, the tie-in here is that we will get to see the first frames of or the first teaser images of the Mario movie. And well, it'll answer some of our questions about like, is this like the Rabbids show that Ubisoft produced where it was the same in every language because no one actually spoke? Uh, is this Minions where there is some speaking, but there's going to be a lot of Mario noises and the Charles Martinet soundboard is going to get the shit beaten out of it? Um, or is it going to actually be like attempt at a story and spoken dialogue stuff and I believe we will get that as a special feature on day three of Treehouse Live. That's how that's the that thing that they always tease for the towards the end of the of the three days to keep you paying attention to their stuff. <laughs> Still, isn't it? Aren't they so, the, the, the investor last investor relations briefing stuff? Like, wasn't it twenty twenty two for the? I thought it was twenty twenty one. If it's 2022, then I rescind that, and I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, I have a feeling. Maybe it's not set in stone, but I think I, I, exactly when. But oh, uh, you're right. It's 2022. Okay, so then I replaced that with Nintendo Land of one of the North America ones. Done. I fixed it. I fixed the prediction. I fixed my bad prediction. <laughs> it's never in doubt. It's perfectly predicted. Yeah, well, we got a couple, we've got one, uh, well, multiple sort of usual suspects to weigh in on, I guess. First of all, Breath of the Wild 2. What do we see of it? When's it coming out? I think we get a pretty good showing of it at E3 this year. Uh, to your point, you know, sh- they obviously didn't intend to release that the same E3 they showed it. Um, I think we probably get playable. Uh, but I'm thinking it's going to be a Xenoblade 2 situation where it's playable during, insofar as at the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, at the Direct. The, the Treehouse. The, like the Treehouse, yeah. Yeah, show it being played during the Treehouse, right. but not like show floor playable. Yeah, and then I think we get it the subsequent, maybe maybe the the end of the fiscal year. Yeah, that, that's what I think that's the earliest I could imagine it. It'd be so it'd be kind of nice in a way because it would basically be four years, the four year anniversary if it if they yeah. did release it then, you know, just to sneak in under the fiscal year door, which is not the name of the new Paper Mario by the way. Uh, <laughs> for, and, uh, you know that that is the paperist Mario. <laughs> it is very, so so very paper. No, I, I, that would be the earliest I could imagine it. I couldn't imagine it. Um, you know, in November this year, uh, I, I, and and it may well be that uh, you know even March twenty twenty one is, is too soon. But uh, you know, f- four years after uh, would would be kind of nice symmetry to it, but. Um, yeah, it, it it still feels like it's a little big to be coming any time sooner than that. Yeah, John, what do you think? Yeah, you uh, had this called last year, John. So you are the, officially the foremost yeah, it, it, it authority. Double or nothing now, John. Yeah, I'm doubling down. I'm doubling down. So, what year do we? What year do we get to play it? And oh, I don't God. mean like in a in a controlled environment. I think, homes. I think it'll be 2021. 2021. Okay, do, do mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have a guess about what time of year? I think it'll be the... Man. You, you can would... say beginning, middle, and end if you want. I think it'll be I think it'll be released probably around July 2021. I don't mm. think it'll be the big Christmas game. 
I don't think so. Okay. So like so like middle of the year. Yep. Yep. June, okay. July. Do we see it at E3 2020 then? Because if it's July, it'll come out after E3 2021. Yeah. I think, yes, I think we will. Okay. I think we will. Guillaume? What are we talking about? Zelda? Uh, Xenoblade 3. Xenoblade 3. <laughs> oh, that's... Hmm. 20, so, Xenoblade 3, 2022, 2023, 2021, 2017. Yeah, I think they're going to throw a curveball. It's going to be uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X2. Oh, I thought you were going to say Xenoblade 4. And I'd be like, well, that is, that is a... That's a curveball. That would that be a curveball. Curve <laughs> <laughs> it's a direct sequel to Xenoblade 3, which we haven't released yet. Yeah, but um, don't forget, this is going to be the year of, of uh, bravery default too. Yeah, no, I'm trying yeah. to forget. You can't you, stop it. <laughs> I'm trying very hard to forget. I I ran into my copy of Bravely Second as I was putting away Rhythm Thief and said, "No, you're not. Not anymore. Like you're maybe not." Maybe Bravely Default Two takes place in the timeline slash universe where uh. Catmancy was never yes, invented. Yes, the arcade so. arts of, of Catmancy. It was never never practiced. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it makes sense. No one, ever, makes baked, no one sense. ever baked anything either. Nope. That was the event that caused the time split. The, patass- the patissier was like, nah, this is stupid. The very first eclair maker looked at what he had wrought and said, no, I shall not. <laughs> and threw it into the trash. But then someone uh, picked it up because it was on top of the trash. But no, a cat it was still did. good. A cat did. The cat ate it, and of course, cats can't have chocolate. And that's what happened to Catmancy. Sorry, I was trying to throw a Seinfeld reference here, but uh. <laughs> didn't work. Thirty-year-old <laughs> joke, you know. Get me I some know. Slack. I was thinking it was going to be uh. like you know a cat that nicks off with this. This gonna it's going to be like Gollum with the ring, and it's going to have it for hundreds of years. Oh, no, I was just making more joke about the fact cats should have chocolate. And even then, it's still good. <laughs> uh, I've got one that Karen sent me, a prediction. Oh, um, yes. So, sh- apparently, uh, we don't know everything about uh, Animal Crossing oh, that's boy. coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's kind of this twist uh, in the second half. Of, well, second half. I don't know. She says that about, like, after... A hundred hours of playing Animal Crossing. Smoke Monster? New Horizons. Hmm? Is it a smoke monster? (laughs) Uh, Almost. No, uh, apparently. And they're a plane full of small British boys. Crash lands on the island. Oh, okay. No. So So with Isabel as your conch-wielding leader, your job is to defend your land and teach the savage boys a thing or two about civilization and municipal government. So Elizabeth is eating... uh, Jesus. What a... Oh god. Anyway, Isabel. Isabel. Yeah, Isabel's eaten by Tuesday. Okay. Um. Ha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, literature references on Radio Free Nintendo happen more frequent than you might expect. Yeah. It could even it's happen weird. to you. Um. <laughs> somebody could drop a Vonnegut reference on you. You never know. Look out behind you. It's sneaking up right now. Yeah. I mean. Um, so does a pig actually have a boulder dropped on him? I mean, there are there is a pig character in yeah. Um, doesn't she? This was the turnip salesperson. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have all the turnips, but then I won't have anyone to sell them to because she'll be gone. Yep. Yep. Truly, truly, it is the gift of the magi. I have 
I have all these turnips, but no one to sell them to because I murdered her savagely on turnip day. In an act of survival, please. Yeah, I mean, somebody, I mean, it's just it's, it's so, Somebody had stuff. to do it. I, I haven't eaten in three hours. Yep. Cannibalism is the obvious response. Um, that that book does never get to cannibalism, to be fair. It doesn't get to murder. It didn't have the guts to, James. I mean, they were all over the ground. Wait for the gritty reboot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Isn't that what all those Italian uh, movies from the 70s and 80s? <laughs> yeah. Basically. Oh, God. That's, that's going to be the next Todd Phillips movie right there. Oh. Uh, um, I, I, I thought got, that uh, Nicolas Cage was a little bit too old to play. I was, I was uh, thinking the lead about boy, can, I, can I cast Nick? <laughs> I was thinking if I could cast Nick Cage as Piggy. <laughs> to be fair, That's you know, awesome. if you're doing a reboot, easy man, isn't it? The Wicker Man. I mean, that was. He, mm-hmm. He's got a mausoleum to pay off. It was okay? everything you'd ever hoped the Wicker Man could be if you'd watched the '70s original, but with Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I feel like Nick that's the Cage end of every sentence la- describing his acting. <laughs> Nick Cage running about punching out women as well. That's just like, <laughs> wow, this is this is everything I've ever wanted to see on the green, really. <laughs> was it uh, was it Vera Farmiga? Farmiga? I, I can't remember who was in it. I, know, I remember um, Ellen Burstyn was Nick- in it from, you know, from mm. just got horror chops for being in The Exorcist, I guess. Uh, oh my tenuous. god! They did they do a lot of stunt casting like that with the horror remakes. So oh like, sure, yeah. The Omen remake had Mia Farrow in it, who was in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I mean, okay. they're basically the same movie. Yeah, hmm. all those horror remakes of the uh, t- uh, two. All this to say is, um, mm. if uh, if he punched uh, Vera Farmiga, Farmiga, she had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Not for the reason you think, though. We we can't go into this on the air, but Guillaume has a history. No. Um, I I can't. We're doing predictions. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. Uh, I have another one. I have another one. Oh please, God, get us out of this conversation. Absolutely. Um, so I think that uh the next mobile game. Will if you be... reference the Donner Pass, I will kill you. No. Just to make it uh, clear, I think just because I think it would translate well into the mobile space, I think it will be. And Nintendo hasn't really done anything with this franchise forever. Uh, it will be F Zero MX. Oh yeah. How will F Zero MX play? Uh, it's going to be one of those ones where you slide it from side to side, pretty much. Oh, I, I, how much Christ. virtual yes. cor- currency am I going to have to invest to get Mister EAD, John? Well, uh, <laughs> you're going <laughs> to have to pay to it's... play, Greg. Oh, is is it the monthly subscription that they've been adding to all their mobile games? Is what you pay to not be Mister Mister EAD? <laughs> Mister <laughs> like EAD. Like once your subscription expires, you get a very detailed image of Mister EAD as your avatar. Yep. Very. No, think detailed. of all the seasonal variations of Mister <laughs> EAD you could have. Mister EAD Easter Adventure. Yeah, summer oh splash God. EAD. Oh, Jesus! Just shows him like cannonballing into a pool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want it to be exactly the same image with him pasted over a beachside, and they've just like put a bikini on him, just just <laughs> haphazardly. No, he wouldn't have a bikini. He would have one of those old timey uh, onesies with like the red stripes, the red and white stripes on it. He'd have one of those. Oh, I think. Oh, so. like like you mean like he's going to the shore up at the boardwalk? Yeah, in like 1920 or something. Yep. 
like on Coney Island, nineteen fifteen or something like that. I uh, you know that with the the Easter Fire Emblem Heroes ones where they give them all like eggs and stuff, and it's weird and unsettling, and I hate it. Um, yeah, you can look forward to that. The Valentine's Day Mister EAD. Mm-hmm. Oof. Oof. It's the one time where the star changes to like a heart. <laughs> <laughs> See, remember, he has an invincibility star as part of his costume, if I remember correctly. He does. And yet he's strangely not invincible. (laughs) Yeah, good figure. He's also not a good character, and yet EAD constantly produces good characters. It's almost like it's a backhanded compliment. Um, I think, I think we're due a big single-player experience. And I think that big single-player experience is going to be that project that Monolith's been working on for a long time. Not the remake of Xenoblade Chronicles, although I could say that and then go, ha-ha, I was right, um, even though we already knew that was coming. Hmm. Uh, no, I think that, that that one that the they've shown some images, some concept art for and hiring things, I think we finally get to see what the first non-Xenoblade project is out of the massively expanded monolith soft because of course they are a much bigger company than they even were a few years ago and i think it's that we're we're finally going to get to see something um i would say new but they've been showing us new things all the time something divorced from what they've been making and i suspect i will immediately demand that i get to play it first and then we'll be immediately rebuffed because everyone's gonna want to see it but that's a whole different prediction Uh, really, we're we're just gonna get friggin' Xenoblade Chronicles again. I know, I know. Predictions limit myself, but no, we're getting it. We're getting something new, some hotness, a glimpse. Yeah, like I, I don't know if it's gonna come out, but th- like they need something for the end of the year. Right now, oh, what they've got is Pokemon yeah. DLC. Oh no, no, no! Much of the year is is yeah, pretty cloudy at this point. To be fair, considering Nintendo did not oblige and give us a Nintendo Direct to fill in some of the gaps. I'm still be- scrolling. By the way, before we had to record this segment, yeah, but I'm still fucking scrolling through people asking about the Nintendo Direct in response to Snack World oh, is out now. A funny little thing, but right at the end of last year's prediction segment, we had a bit of rapid fire, like what's the l- most likely Wii U port to come next or whatever and uh, i did say tokyo mirage sessions but i I did wonder whether you know it might be a little bit of an issue that it might run up against uh, smt5 yeah that that wasn't uh (laughs) concern abated (laughs) yeah god i mean there's there's a number of those like uh, will we glimpse them this year you know bayonetta 3 metro prime 4 smt5 presumably something six I just can't think of what it would be at the moment. We need a two. Oh, Xenoblade Chronicles X2. There it is, Guillaume. I just mm-hmm. I just announced Xenoblade Chronicles X2, so they could not give it to us. We'll, ne- we'll never know what the fuck happens at the end of that game. Uh, so what would a six be? I can't think of anything right off. Six, six is such a high number. Well, when you get that high, you tend to run away from it. Is, is the thing? Yeah, at least at least lately, where you you give it like the reboot. Um, Obviously, ever... yeah, Resident Evil Seven sort of was a soft seven, right? 
Right. Uh, yeah. See, it was Resident Evil Biohazard. Or Biohazard Resident Evil, depending where where you were in the world. It's almost like rampant localization is actually kind of a detriment to yourself. Um. Hmm. Has anybody else gotten the one they want to use? Yeah, uh, just the last one that I have here is I think that at E3, I think uh, Nintendo, well, I think that Diablo 4 will be announced for Switch. Diablo 4, oh. Diablo 4, that... because, yeah, it's currently, I mean, it was it was announced uh, at BlizzCon last year, like yeah. last November, uh, but it was announced for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Uh, I think that I think that it'll come to Switch. I think that I think Blizzard could probably do that. If it's coming to PS4 and Xbox One, I think it could come to Switch. I just think that probably Blizzard didn't want to commit to it because they probably had to do like some technical, you know, discovery on it to see if, you know, if their engine could probably handle it. But I, I think Diablo 4 will come to Switch. I think it'd be pretty dumb not to have it on Switch since they've had Diablo 3 on there. And it's been Fair successful, enough. I'm sure. So. Greg, do you got any more you want to drop? No, not really. I mean, I guess there is the question of whether we'll get another hardware revision this year. Obviously, they say they have no plans because you have to say that. But well, um, keep in mind that they said it to the investors unsolicited, so that no, is yeah, that's, yeah. I, I that's think, a different layer. I, I could no. I could imagine it also being potentially you know something that uh, it would be at very least very late in the year or in uh, you know before the end of the fiscal year kind of thing as well but at some point it does have to happen it's just a question right. of whether it's going to be you know in this period or whatever because um i'm sure there'll be some capacity to uh to get people to double dip you know the the light was the you know kind of lower the price of entry sort of uh model but then you know the the later in the life cycle get people to spend money again uh model is surely you know something that will pop up eventually yeah all right so i have um one that Nintendo may have accidentally spoiled for me, which I'm bummed out about, but not not totally clear yet. Um, Animal Crossing, uh, what, what do they call the stupid game? Uh, Island, whatever. New Horizons, isn't it? New Horizons, yeah, yeah. Um, has one extra New Horizon, which is the first time we find DLC in an Animal Crossing game. I'm so sure you were going to say space. I, I, but maybe that's the DLC. Who knows? <laughs> Tom a- Nook has claimed fucking space. <laughs> <laughs> he's not party to any UN treaties. Fuck you. Nope. Um, I think I think sometime around third quarter calendar wise, um, we see the announcement of Animal Crossing DLC, and what I think we get is I think we get, like, a place you can go visit to leave the island, sort of like the city in uh, wild, in uh, whatever the... Let's all go to the city. I believe was one of the region's names for it. Was it. City Folk was the American name, yes, and then Let's Go to the City was the European name for the Wii what game. What it's horrible. It was that period we talked about this quite recently of just the, where they couldn't seem to agree on how to localize even pretty, you know routine things and i would assume let's go to the city is like a literal translation of whatever the name was in japanese almost certainly that that was very much the pattern 
even though it was probably much easier and much less crazy sounding in Japanese. Uh, but yeah, I think I think we get some DLC. I think it's a place you can visit outside of the current uh the the current timeline because that's a that's a seems to be a pretty recurrent theme in their DLC. Even the even the cindered shadow or whatever they call it. Like, oh yeah, actually there's a fourth house here. We just totally forgot about him. Um, that actually takes place somewhat out of the timeline of the game. It's like the side stuff that you play and then the characters sort of get let out of their perma prison back into the sunlight. Um, Zelda obviously takes place in both the Zelda DLCs take place outside the world. The Xenoblade DLC obviously took place outside of worlds. Like it's, this is a recurring theme for their stuff. And so I think your Animal Crossing is going to be the same. You're going to end up somewhere else and you're going to be able to buy things there. You can't buy like clothes and stuff. Um, make it'll have be some way to make a bunch of money there. You know, it, it, it'll, it will have all kinds of perks for what you would want to be able to do in an Animal Crossing game. Um, I mean, with Tom Nook, you're going to be able to, you know, travel through space and enslave entire planets. They're not, he's, he's bringing them democracy, John. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the miracle and, uh, of modern capitalism, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, bringing development and jobs. Um, <laughs> he's, and, a, he's, a, he's a benevolent nooktator. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so the, the, the one last thing I want to say about it is that in, in order to make it make sense, and they've done this with a lot of their DLC, it's going to introduce one new gameplay mechanic. And this game, the one thing the Animal Crossing series doesn't have that a lot of its peers do is proper farming. And we are going to have proper farming added to this Animal Crossing access place because you could just squeeze that shit in there and it's a big old time waster. And that's what Animal Crossing games are all about. Because it was that or a hunting preserve and that's got all kinds of dark subtext in the context of an Animal Crossing game. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, our predictions for the year 2020. If by any chance we got any of these right, we're just as shocked as you are. Uh, you can send your emails to tell us how good a job we did to rfnandintenderoldreport.com. That's how good a job we did to rfnandintenderoldreport.com. Uh, if you have thoughts about how poorly we did, uh, there's actually a special email address for that. It's all the letters just backwards. Just flip the whole thing. It'll work. I promise. This definitely isn't a scheme. Um, but again, good email, rfn and nintendoworldreport.com. Bad email, somewhere else. Uh, Null, N-U-L-L at nintendoworldreport.com. That, that, I, was, I was tempted to just give them uh, like the email address of a staffer who's not here anymore and just let, it, let them get the redirect back. But people come back. People come back, man. Mm-hmm. Um so, on that, plugs. Do we have any? <laughs> Hair plugs, maybe. Um, so, yeah. I No real plugs to speak of this week. Uh, check back next week when we there might be. Who knows? Um, but that will, therefore, close out the show. Greg. Yes. Time for... It's time for some music. It is. Uh, so naturally with the focus of this episode is like, what kind of music selection dovetails well with something we can be look, looking forward to. 
for this year's games uh, and couple of ones stuck out we of course got the aforementioned xenoblade chronicles remake and we've got uh, the also aforementioned bravely default 2 uh, fuckers <laughs> so uh, both of those got remarkable soundtracks and they've both been you know uh, kind of tapped on a number of occasions before but one of those has a relatively recent request Ergo, uh, that's uh, what we're going with. So, uh, the request comes in from someone calling themselves Jeff Key Lee, uh, which <laughs> the the, uh, the two the two double I's used there in the style of we. Uh, uh, naturally enough, uh, requested the um, asterisk holder battle music from uh, the original Bravely Default. Uh, which is sort of variedly localised as something like that person's name is or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's something you hear a number of times uh, in the original I Bravely Default. And, used it already. And uh, Bravely Second as well, because uh, they, they, they use that again for Asterisk It is one of the Cold. surviving songs, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's... it's yeah, you know, excellent uh, soundtrack, and this is another one of the, you know, even beyond just how often you might hear it, it's a pretty memorable battle theme. But of course, the big thing is that Revo's coming back for Bravely Default Two, so you know, just look forward to what what delights they'll have in store for us for the new game. And I, I have come to accept that I should um, not make it sound like the composer for the previous game was just a disaster. It wasn't. It's just a high bar to hit um, in Bravely Third. It's a very, very difficult <laughs> bar and that we're going to be fine with, so we'll be good there. Um, on that, bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.